Simon. Oliver. How long? Nice. I'm so glad we do this. I'm so glad we get to do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's uh, it's been what, 10, 10, 11 years now. Uh, yeah, eleven years. Yeah, eleven years. And we've been we've been talking all yesterday. We've been talking all uh, a few like an hour now. An hour coming here. Um, yeah, it's so nice. We. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because. Uh, yeah, we've been friends for 11 years, and, and th- that's when I was in college in Ottawa. And you recruited me to do um, the student painting franchise. Yeah, exactly. Let's start there, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> yeah, that was quite uh, that was quite the good times, right? Um, um, yeah, the student painting business for me, and I think for you as well, uh, it was sort of the, uh, the foundation to a lot of stuff that... that um, yeah that we have now now in real estate uh, with Engel and Volkers. And that's another thing that's been very cool is we, you know, <laughs> you over the last couple of years, we yeah. didn't really talk that much, but uh, we both ended up working for uh, for the same company. Yeah. In, in, uh, but you do, you do residential more, right? In, yeah, uh, exactly. In, in Ottawa with yeah. your wife. Nice. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Where do you see that going? Like, where where do you want to go with that? Well, you know, I, I started with Engel and Volkers. It was uh, two two years ago now. Actually, I started working with them in Mexico in Playa del Carmen. Yeah, uh, and that was I was it in January twenty twenty two, and I worked with them there for almost a year um, before we went back to Canada. And um, and Dale was working with Engel and Volkers in Canada for for a couple of years since uh, I think a year after he opened up in. Ottawa. That was when, like, 2017, 2016? I, I, I think, think Dale it was start, started, yeah. started almost as uh, at the same time as me. Um, uh, she started before that. But she w- she she but she, she went to Engel and Volkers when I was already there. E- exactly. Okay, exactly. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry to interrupt, but can you, is there just three these three mics on, or is there another one that's on? Because I hear an echo. Oh, okay. Wait. This one, this one, this one. No, it's, it's just, you have the same, there's only... Okay. Yeah. Those are the only three on. Yeah. Okay. We're good. Never mind. Yeah. All right. Maybe I'm talking too loud. Maybe no, no, you're no, fine. Okay. I was Does wondering it? if this one, there's one on the floor that's over here. It sounded like it was picking oh, up no, something. Oh, no, it's not picking up anything. No, okay. it's close. Okay. All right. Well, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> what were you saying? <laughs> yeah. So, so Angle and Volkers, that was, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, been, it's been two years. And uh, where I see that going, I mean, you know, we want to build a team. Essentially, that's so you know we set it up as a team from the day one uh, with Dale. She's been in business for eight years as a realtor. Um, she's excellent, excellent at, at customer service. I always told her, I, you know, I've been joking with her. I've been telling her for years, you're you're the best realtor. She's actually the best realtor that I, that I know. Uh, very attention to detail. You know, very very good with the clients. Uh, but she was never one to market much. And uh, and my my background not being. Uh, real estate sales, but being marketing and sales in general with in the renovation business, um, my background was to you know generate the leads, set up the CRM, and set up the systems to to create that flow. So right now we're sort of, we're sort of mixing that up together, um, and uh, you know she's taking care of her side, and I'm taking care of my side. I bring I bring in the business, she takes care of it, and it's been like that since uh, day one together. Nice, she, yeah, takes care of all the paperwork, huh. and we really have like a sort of this like very good. Um, you know, partnership together, and it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, you were telling me yeah. that was nice. You were telling me you were getting a lot of leads from Home Show. Yeah, the Home Show has been something that uh, you know I I did almost thirty different uh, trade shows in the past in the renovation business. Yeah, uh, I started out in the painting business. I think I did my first one 
And then after mm-hmm. that, I did them every single year for, for yeah, many years. Go, you kept going because I, re- I remember yeah. we did we did a few um, w- with the student painting uh, business, yeah. but you kept going and Dan kept going too. Um, but I, uh, for some reason, I never thought it, it could apply for to, to the realtor. You know what it is? It's it's uh, you're you're setting up your booth, um, and although the, those are renovation shows, you get uh, thousands and thousands of people walking by your booth. It's uh, actually that, good that own, that own a property. Yeah, and every single one, one uh, every single person that we meet at the uh, trade shows in real estate. Um, are people that they tell us, you know, I wasn't expecting to meet you guys there, mm-hmm. um, but great. We're yeah, happy that idea, we met yeah. you. And, and, uh, and then we established very good relationship with, with clients and also with other exhibitors. You're in a bit, you know, you're in a room where there's, you know, hundreds of different business owners that are there to promote their businesses. Yeah. So that's another very good opportunity is in the, in the trade big shows. A, is big that networking a, opportunity it's a very too. big networking. I've met so many people that yeah. are now in my life in those, uh, See, different yeah. trade shows have to and do that, uh, yeah it's a very good like uh, foundation anyways we do we do yeah. uh, we're gonna do four of them next year um, and it's really gonna be um, I, I, it's oh everything okay yeah okay yeah so oh cool that's much all right better. that's much better yeah it's nice. driving me nuts sorry <laughs> no, <laughs> it's all good. now it should oh, sound yeah. way clearer yeah 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 you want to start over <laughs> No no, 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 we'll keep it, we'll keep <laughs> it, it's, it's fine, just, so we don't add anything, but I, I knew yeah. I could hear something, I just couldn't oh, yeah, figure no, out what it right. was. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't hear it, oh, this is So yeah, better. the trade shows nice. were great, and then. Bring, um, a little, bring that mic yeah. a little closer to you so I can hear you yeah. better. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, Excellent. So Excellent. Perfect. Cool, right. that's why she's here, because I would have never There noticed. you go, that's, that's what we were talking <laughs> about earlier, you know, you need to, you need the expert in the room. We're not experts at anything. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. That's been the that's been the 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 progress. You know, it's a lot of fun, and um, we're we're definitely hoping to to continue building. Eventually, we'd like to come down here in Miami. Uh, that's that's one of our goal in the long term, anyways, to retire, sort of half Ottawa, Canada, and half uh, half Miami, or you know, around here, anyways, uh, in Florida. Um, I think it's an easy one, right? We're so close. It's a couple hours. On the flight, we had a straight flight from Ottawa, and so we left our house. It was 5 a.m. By the time we got to the airport and everything, we got here was 10, 30, 11. Yeah, ready cool. to go. It's, yeah, it's, it's super close. It's, it it yeah. works very well. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so yeah, love love Miami. Yeah. And then the crazy thing is there's a lot of business to do in, in, in Canada that is happening here. Um, because there's, yeah. uh, the heads of the largest business are always coming here in the wintertime, always. Yeah. Always. Yeah. So we're, we're trying to, you know, focus and probably, you know, we're not going to do this now. This is probably like a 10-year plan. Yeah. Yeah. Still young. Still got a lot of time to, to do things and to set things up. And, yeah. It's, um, it's nice that, um, well, it's actually, <laughs> you told me something the other day that makes me um, appreciate more what you've done <laughs> over the years. Because... Um, you really started at nothing, at, 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 the, yeah. at the base, at yeah, the yeah. zero, like outside of yeah. civilization almost. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, <laughs> this is, it's interesting because, you know, I, this is something I had sort of uh, put behind me in a way. Uh, I, I did have a lot of like, you know, a, a very different childhood. And uh, I left my parents, I was 16. Um, and then I started my first business, or I started sort of in the business uh, of sales and marketing at the age of 18. 
Um, and in those two years, I traveled a bit, and then you know I continued doing that, and uh, it's it's been a very long progress or process, if you will. Um, you know, I transformed a lot over the years. Um, but yeah, when we say start from zero, it was below zero. You know, on on a lot of simple, very simple things. Um, I grew up with no electricity, uh, no running water. Um, so it was just sort of this uh, completely different childhood. We were um, on a 100-acre property um, lo- located roughly about 30 minutes from a very small town called Fort Collonge. That's about a two-hour drive. Fort Collonge. Fort Collonge, yeah. Quebec. He always told me, yeah. oh, it was, I was asking him where he was from, and he was, he was always saying, oh, it's just uh, past Fort Collonge. Hours. Just yeah. just pass for Coulonge, but I had no idea that pass for Coulonge had nothing up to uh, until the 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 North Pole. Yeah, so well, essentially, Fort Coulonge is located. So <laughs> it's it's sort of like you know you've got sort of uh, it goes like down the uh, the Ottawa River or the Fleuve Saint Laurent. Yeah, uh, that meets the Ottawa River, and sort of the population in Quebec and Ontario are located like Quebec City on the river. And then you go down a little bit towards the west, and you got Montreal. Then you got go a little bit more west, and you have Ottawa. Um, and then you go south towards Toronto. Toronto is yeah. a lot more south yeah. than, than it is. So, but if you continue going a There's little bit, nothing. yeah. So if you go, if you follow the Ottawa River, Ottawa, uh, uh, it's a little bit sort of like uh, northwest mm-hmm. uh, of Ottawa. Um, and then th- that's sort of the edge of Quebec, yeah. essentially, right? Edge of Quebec and edge of, inter- of Ontario. Exactly. Uh, or of the population of Quebec. I was looking at a yeah. map of where I was from, and essentially you have um, sort of like all of the, like it's colored in two colors, and you have the green areas, which are, which are protected lands, and then you have like all of the red areas that are sort of like the population or, or uh, inhabited land. Yeah. And then uh, you have this little tail end, like a little peak, you know, at the end here. Uh, and at the very tip of that, that's where we were. So you walked out of the property, you were on crown land, um, and you basically could have walked to the North Pole without setting foot on private property. Yeah, the, right? crown, the crown land is the, so in, in Canada, the land that is still owned by the, the, by the, government. By the government. So it's, it's protected lands. Yeah. Like, they can use it for, you know, uh, cutting down wood and, you know. Uh, resources. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. And for resources. That but was that's, that's all. That's almost all of it. Because exactly, there are some protected areas, right? Of Canadian population lives within the hundred kilometers of the border with U.S. Exactly. So it's yeah. super. Um, it's very very tight. Very There's tight, and it's also up. it's also along the rivers and lakes. Yeah. Uh, so you got a lot of population along the like Toronto is along the Great Lakes, um, and you have along the uh, Fleuve Saint Laurent. You got Quebec City, Montreal. Those the two largest uh, three rivers. Cities. Yeah, exactly. Rivers, and then you have yeah. Ottawa also along the Ottawa River. So we were up the Ottawa River. Fort Cologne is like two, you know an hour and a half to two hours north uh, up the Ottawa River on the Quebec side, and then we were located um, about thirty minutes north from that on a dirt road, um, and uh, basically you know that there was at the time, and now there's more people living there, but at the time there was there were only cottages on that road, so. Um, over the years, my parents sort of forced, they, they were, you know, very good, you know, with their stuff. They forced the municipality to open up the road during the winter, uh, because when my, my dad lived there alone before my mom moved there with him and they had kids, uh, it wasn't opened up during the winter. So my dad was, you know, he, yeah, he lived there from the age of 18. Holy shit. Uh, that was sort of my, that was actually my grandfather's, uh, hunting cabin. 
on on that property and uh my my dad moved there at the age of 18 um and then he stayed there for you know for uh forever still to this day uh, he's still there and um without electricity running water exactly like now they have anything. solar panels um solar panels and they have sort of like there is a water system that works um you know for most of the year until it freezes very very like until it's like deep deep winter um so when i was young we would basically carry water with with buckets of water every day that was one of our chore because uh, we were you know in the mountains, right? So you had some sources of fresh water that came down the mountain uh, that were very potable water. You know, we just filtered with a Brita, and it was very good water. Um, you know, we, we had huge That's gardens. The best, yeah. yeah, yeah, we had huge the, gardens. The, the, the water from the it, it's actually, in Canada is the best. Water. It's the best. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, it's very good. It's it tastes. You can taste the minerals. Um, you know, it's so fresh. And, yeah, you, you can't have better than that. So I grew up on fresh water. <laughs> Same. Uh, grew up very healthy, you know, in fresh water, in the woods, uh, eating, you know, wild meat. Uh, we had some, some animals as well. So we had some uh, sheep, goats you guys over hunt, the years. Hunting, I'm assuming. Hunting, yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. A lot of deer, um, you know, a little bit of moose, a little bit of bear, you know, small small uh, game as well, right? So when I was a kid, I, you know, I would go out. Mike, like right there. Okay. On the, a little, yeah. Right yeah. So nice. when I would when I would go out, I would essentially, you know, about twelve years old, I got my 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 hunting, you know, license in Quebec. You know how to work with a gun. So stuff. you had your first gun at twelve, right? That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it was yeah, it was uh, registered in my parents because I never got my my license to own a gun and right. just got mm-hmm. you know I could uh, use it. So yeah, and and you know I started hunting and and it was sort of like uh, very. Yeah, very different. Like, you know, I went to preschool at the age of five, like every other kid. Yeah. Um, and then I went to, you know, I went to school in the village. So we had this, like, private transportation that would come and pick us up. It was like a car just how, for the three many, of us. Like, uh, oh, so how many students were in, you said preschool, so this is um, a small village. Yeah, so it's a small village. Uh, so there are kids that were coming from a little bit around it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were, I think, you know, in so in, in uh, elementary school, we were the furthest uh, out. That would, that would come. But then the high school for the whole region was um, in Fort Collonge. So there were guys like Dan that I met, uh, you know, at the high school that would come out like 45 minutes away, but more towards Ottawa. Um, so we were like, you know, more in the woods, uh, but there were other little villages around the area. They, and everyone, and so the high school, we, were at, we had about like 500 students. At the time in the high school. It was about the same size as me. Yeah, yeah. exactly. 600 as well. Yeah, as and then elementary school is smaller. I don't know how many uh, people, but, um, you know, we had maybe a class of 30 students uh, per, or 40 students per, yeah. per uh, age, right? So it was very small elementary school. Um, but it was very interesting because I, I lived sort of a, a double life um for my entire childhood. Well, yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know that until yeah. two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, he called me. He's like, I've got the craziest story. <laughs> yeah. Well, what happened is this, okay? Okay. <laughs> it's so, like, I was so, so mad. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Where was that all so, the time we were friends? <laughs> so so what happened is this, okay? So I I was thought, uh, my, my parents basically, they, they it, it's a very private type of lifestyle, yeah. right? Of course. Uh, you're sort of secluded from everyone. Uh, you're also very different from everyone. So, you know, you allow some people into your life, but there's a lot of people that don't vibe with sort of being self-sufficient. My parents, you know, 
some people were were they thought we were poor. Um, I remember, you know, a lot of sort of organizations would go to my parents and give them food. But, you know, we had so much you food. You were living off the land. You didn't <laughs> we had yeah. so much food. We had years' worth of food, right? <laughs> years? Uh, well, well, it was just, it, that's the way of living. Yeah. You know, you, you, you produce, you can, you can serve. Um, and there's always, like, plan, you know, once you're set up, uh, there's always, you know, there's always animals providing, right? So I grew up on fresh goat milk. Um, every morning, we would basically milk the, the goats. Uh, I didn't do it a lot. My, my dad would do that, pick the fresh eggs uh, from the chicken. Um, you know, once a year, you got to butcher the chicken. And, and same thing for different animals. And there's always meat, uh, lots of meat, lots of vegetables. It was a very, very healthy lifestyle and large quantities of it. So um, I grew up very, very healthy with lots of, you know, very nice environment. My parents did a very, very good job. Uh, I didn't think so at the time. And that's essentially what happened is I was a kid. So I rebelled, you know, a, a little bit rebelled against my parents. I left and I didn't talk to them for, for a while after I left because I didn't think it was, I didn't think at the time that it was fair for me because I grew up, you know, I was going to school, talking to my friends. I couldn't relate to, to what uh, they would talk about. Mm-hmm. So I was a very quiet person from, from the very young age because I stopped talking because I couldn't, they couldn't understand me. I couldn't understand them. So it was sort of this, um, this weird thing that ap- after the age of six or seven years old, I, I didn't talk about anything to wow. anyone. It was like nobody knew. I, you know, we had that conversation at the, at the restaurant uh, the other night, and yeah. Dan, Dan is the one that knows me the most, and he's like, I've never heard so much. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I was so, so surprised. So then even, even Dan was like, holy shit, that's... Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So what happened is like, I, you know, at the age of 16, I left, I did my own thing. And then I'm basically, it's like, it, I, you know, I discovered that over the years, but I was trying to create the opposite. You know, you, I think everyone yeah. does that a little bit. You're very similar. You come from the woods, you know, you come from, <laughs> and you're trying to like blow up in the world and, and create a, a big impact. And I think, you know, it's, it's I think it, it's a very common thing. Uh, people trying to do the opposite uh, of what they grow from, right? So... Um, I, I didn't really, I didn't really talk about it to anyone over the years. And then about a month ago, and it's crazy how fresh this is. Okay. Cause it's been 16 years. I left my parents at 16 years old. I'm now 32 years old. <laughs> Never talked about any of my background to anyone. And my, my wife was, Dale, she was watching Netflix and she started watching, uh, this new show, not a new show. It's a show that's been going on for 10 years, but I never, I never listened to it because it was never, I was never interested into it. Um, and it's called Alone. Uh, so she was watching it on Netflix. And then these, these people, they go in the wild and, you know, they're, they're given like 10 items and then they have to survive. They're like dropped off in the yeah. deep into the forest. Yeah, and it's, it's like good it's luck. Pretty, exactly. As long as you can survive. And we checked, exactly. we, we, we looked watched. at, we looked at <laughs> yeah. one with the first episode the other day and you're right. There's some very dumb people in well, there. Well, you know, I wouldn't say they're, they're dumb people, but there's a difference between, you know, um, learning, oh, yeah. well, watching something on YouTube, you know, trying it a couple of times and then being in a sort of survival situation, having to do it. Right. You know, it's like starting a fire, right? right? In my childhood, I don't know, 4,000, 5,000 fires. I, I don't know. I started multiple fires every day because we had two wood stoves. Uh, you know, we were outside all the time. There were a lot, lots of fires going all the time. Mm-hmm. I learned how to start fires with different you know, in different ways second, and whatnot. It was just sort of, to you it's, this point. And, and I was, so I was watching that show and then I was so frustrated. <laughs> I was like, 
I was like, babe, I was like, these people, like this guy, and I would predict things, right? So we watched the entire season over the course of a week, and every show would like predict, okay, this guy is going to be out next. That's not going to work. That, you know, I was like, kind of like frustrated the entire season. And then I was like, I got to write an application. And I sent in an application. And in the process of doing that, for the first time in 16 years, I sort of like reconnected with that part that of myself. Of your, yeah, so of your life. Wow. it's been sort of this crazy That's thing. wild, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very crazy because I like, I, I did not go there. And then I went there with you guys the other day. And, and you know, I talked about it for like what two hours I, I yeah just, i couldn't shut up i was yeah, like I, know. I was just like <laughs> this is, yeah and i was like holy shit i've been holding this back right <laughs> my entire life really because it was like from that young age where it was private and yeah. also you know not only was i different but also my parents would would sort of like tell me like you know don't share too much of of what we do here because we don't i come from a four Coulonge is a very very rough town so four Coulonge. You know, there's a lot of rough people in the town that 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 we uh, were living close to, and some people, you know, lots of hunters, people that are you know, hunters, poachers. You know, um, there were lots mm. of weed grow ups um, on government land around the area, uh, so it's a it's a very rough place. And uh, my parents didn't want you know people knowing too much um, because you want to stay private. Right, you you really want to stay. Private. Do you think it's because you're so far away that people think that maybe the laws don't um, like can? Well, I think not it w- always applied to I, them. I think it was like that back in the ta- in the day. It yeah. was like that. Uh, so Fort Colonge was originally um, a tra- Fort Colonge was a trading post. Um, so when when Canada was sort of formed <laughs> and uh, trappers and and whatnot, they would sort of like meet there and, and, and trade. So lots of people would leave from Fort Colonial, sort of last, the last trading post, because people would travel on the rivers, right? And there's a Colonge River that comes down, and it goes okay. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kilometers north. Um, and then, so that uh, people would travel on the river, go and do portage in all the lakes, like it's full of lakes and rivers. Portage um, is the, um, the... So you go from one lake to another, essentially and you, every time you cross a lake you're gaining a lot of elevation so what you do essentially is you start canoeing on on even on a on a you know beaver dam oh okay and then yeah. i i was a kid i would canoe up beaver dam i would cross maybe you know 10 15 20 beaver dams uh, <laughs> with the yourself? canoe with my brothers by myself um but it was like sort of our backyard you know you could yeah, just leave yeah, yeah. it makes sense and sort of <laughs> you go up a beaver dam, and every time you go up another beaver dam, you gain elevation. Then you downstream, right? And then you go further. Well, yeah, if you can reach some lakes, uh, sometimes some lakes will be they'll be connected to another lake uh, upstream, right? Uh, connected with a little stream in between, and then you can go up, you know, many lakes. And then sometimes you'll meet rivers from larger uh, pools of water. And uh, if you know your maps, sometimes you can c- cut across the wood and then meet another river. It's very like, you know, that's what people used to do uh, hundreds of years yeah. ago, right? And uh, that's Fort Colonge. It was a trading post for people doing that back in the days and trading furs and, and <laughs> leaving and whatnot. So, and after <laughs> that, Fort Colonge, you want to hear more after that, Fort yes. Colonge? So, um, along the F- Colonge River that goes north, there were these massive pine um, and uh, they, they would cut them. So, the lumber... Uh, industry started booming 
these rich families came from Europe, and there's actually a Bryson house still to this day in Fort Collonge, being the, the, the estate of this rich uh, dude, um, who, George Bryson, who basically started um, cutting down lumber. Um, George Bryson? George Bryson, yeah. So he started cutting, cutting down lumber upstream, maybe you know, 100 kilometers north, and then they started uh, traveling the logs on the Collonge on River. river yeah. yeah. And uh, and then downstream into the the Ottawa River, it's a crazy and then eventually job. downstream into uh, the Fleuve Saint Laurent, and then mm. they actually shipped a sh- shit ton of wood uh, in Europe for huh. the King of England. Really? Yeah, they supplied most of the wood and the lumber. So Fort Collonge became a, a lumberjack uh, town, <laughs> and some of my friends in high school, their grandfathers and and families before that were either mm. you know uh, you know hunters, trappers, or uh, a lot of people in the wood industry. So they would basically uh, travel some logs down the, the river, and then yeah. you had these, um, I don't know how they call them, but they would run on the logs to make sure they don't get jammed. Yeah. It was a very, this very dangerous, dangerous, like, job, yeah. super dangerous, but it paid very well. It was the equivalent back then, well, yeah, you would do yeah. that, and it was the equivalent of making about 150 to 200K a year in this day's exchange rate. It was like very, like the guys that were sort of the leaders, you know, of the Oh the yeah, groups. no, it was very good. It was yeah. super risky because... It's yeah. super slippery. You're you're traveling on the kind of this barge of log of moving log down the river, and then you're you're walking on them, you know, with a pole, uh, yeah. because your job is to make sure that nothing nothing get uh, get stuck in the river, right? So yeah. you you stay on the trees all the way down. Super super dangerous because super people dangerous. would go uh, go underneath, yeah. and then they would get stuck underneath the log because the fucking tree is super super long, so they would drown. Sometimes the you know they would have a jam and the river full of logs up like 30, 40, 50, 100 kilometers long of like no maybe not 100 kilometers long, but they had millions of tons of logs yeah. that were jammed. So you had these guys that their job was to unjam the front logs so that they can you know go downstream. It was done also in the spring. They would cut down in the winter. Yeah. Um, and then that was done in the spring because you had a bigger stream imagine, in the spring. Imagine yeah. the force of like, it was as soon as it's, it gets unlocked, like, exactly. everything it, goes. <laughs> so you gotta be it's fucking like careful. Total destruction. <laughs> total destruction. Yeah. Imagine yeah. those guys, how crazy they were. Is it fast? The water is fast moving there? Oh, it's I'm not, assuming, or, it's or not necessarily that it's fast moving, but it's when you have all these millions of logs that are or hundreds of thousands of logs or whatever the, the number the is, that is, that is stuck, uh, there's a lot of pressure. Yeah. yeah. And when it unjams, it's uh, very dangerous. So it was a very, very dangerous job. It's so probably not millions, probably a few thousand or a few hundred, but still. like The numbers, if you looked up the numbers, I don't remember but what they are. But it was a big, big operation. Uh, it's on it the internet. Uh, Dale was, you know, I'm not good with, I don't have a good memory but Dale was looking at it the other day and even I didn't know that much uh, she was looking it up and she was telling me about the whole history I didn't even know that much and it was like it was big it was mm. big so all that to say that's where we were from so it's it was kind of like uh, you know staying quiet you know you have all sorts of different people and also yeah. like you know you still have neighbors and you know there's a there was a lot of like you know yeah like weed being grown on on commercial like uh, on on uh, properties that were owned by the government so you had people that were involved in the areas, right, that you didn't really want people knowing, uh, you know, especially when you're sort of like out in the woods. You sort of want to keep it quiet, right? So at school, I would not talk about, you know, you know, us growing our own food, us, you know, even hunting. You know, you, you come from a small town where everybody hunts, so everyone talks about it, but 
it was like sort of like you don't it was really still different than what you were doing. It was still different than what we were doing, exactly. So you hmm. can even still, e- yeah. even un- even hunting, you couldn't relate to the other ki- to the other kids. Yeah, well, exactly. Huh. It was kind of like people would go and hunt for us. It was part of the lifestyle, yeah. right? Um, it was done with like a respect towards nature, right? So it was sort of like nature was providing. It wasn't this thing where you're like, oh, we're gonna go kill some animals, <laughs> which which is what a lot of hunters do, right? Uh, it's sort of this sport where it's like you know you're you're trying to kill something. It's f- fair uh, if you're not going to eat it or you know if it's just for the show. If you're you not know, going to eat it. That's not good. Exactly. You so to, you need to eat it. Absolutely. So hunting, uh, fishing was also a big part of it. Uh, I love that was something I love to do. I love. I still love fishing to this day. Um, so I, I would always go out as a kid fish yeah, sometimes on my own. Because you said the other day, you yeah. said that's how you would. That's the first thing you would do, right? If you were, <laughs> if I was selected on the, on the, the loan, the show, yeah, whatever. If you had to survive, you would go fishing and uh, get a, a bunch of uh, a bunch of fish. Yeah, well, if if you're somewhere that's actually remote, um, you know, you go in the lakes around like you know big cities, and there are so many people fishing and uh, sort of you know, building cottages and out there, right? That fishing is not the same anymore uh, in most lakes, anyways, in, in Canada. Unless you go up north, uh, you you have protected areas where you, you have limits and, um, you know, you go out there and it's like you can fish and there are so many fishes. So if you're actually in the wild, um, there's an abundance of, like, fish in the lakes. It's, like, crazy, Hmm. Uh, very, very easy to fish if you're Especially actually in the there. wild. It's probably a very healthy ecosystem. It's a very, exactly, it's it's a very balanced ecosystem. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still the wild. It's 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 the pure wild, right? Yeah. If you go around a, a big major city, it's like, you know, I live in Ottawa now in the middle of the city, and sometimes I like to go out uh, hiking in Gatineau Park, um, which Gatineau Park is huge, right? You have all these hills, these mountains, yeah. and it's all protected. You're not allowed to hunt, you know? But there's so many people, you know, you go on a hike, you got what, like seven, eight, nine, more than that. You have like 10 big parking lots um, full of cars and people from the city going into nature, right? So you don't have the wildlife anymore. Um, you know, you don't see as many deers. You don't see as, as, as many birds. You don't see as much in general mm-hmm. uh, because, it, you know, it's, it's not the same as being in, in the actual wild. Um, and, and back from where, you know, where I was no, from, we were, not, we were, true. yeah. So we were in the wild. Um, in the actual wild, you see quite a, quite a bit of animals. You see quite a bit of animals. Absolutely. Sur- surprise, surprisingly, yeah. you see, you see quite a bit. Yeah. Is when we, when we were, uh, making maple syrup on, on our property, um, we would see, um, hundreds of deers. Yeah. Um, because we had, uh, we had cleared up, uh, part of the, Part of the woods, we we um, so we were cutting them down to to clear it up and to to to, to get the <coughs> to get the maple tree connected to the system, right? Yeah. And then so to when we want to open a, a new a new a new section of the of the sugar shack, that's what you do. You need to clear everything, and then too you need to record everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And then one time we were we there was um, there was one that was sleeping because uh, uh, it was in the winter time right yeah and we were we were um, we were cutting the trees or we lumberjacking or whatever it is <laughs> and uh, when we came in in the morning my dad had the timber jack uh, tractor the huge the huge one and um, he uh, he back he backed he rolled he backed on 
on a deer. Like we killed fucking by accident. Yeah, by accident. Crazy. It was yeah. it was sleeping underneath underneath some branches. That's, that's when you know you have a deer problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was wild. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's interesting. I think the deer population of anyways, I, I don't know what the stats are, but um I'm curious to see what's going to happen over the years cuz I think, you know, a lot of people hunt um a lot of people hunt deer, but I think that if you you know, back up like 20 years ago, 30 years ago, yeah. uh, there were probably a lot more people hunting. Um, you know, yeah. you still have people hunting so. now, but like, anyways, in Canada, it's, 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 it's not the same anymore. People hunt in a more comfortable place as well. So you don't have as many people going deep into the woods. Um, but then you still have a lot of cottages. But also, right? but also here, down here, it's way more popular though. It's getting the yeah. the, ba- the backcountry hunting. Uh, I guess it really depends on where where you're at, right? So yeah, um, because yeah. Uh, we 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 hear it a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were with James yesterday, and, and I didn't I didn't even know he he hunted, and I asked him because I wanted to start, and he was like, "Well, we could we could we could set that up very very easily." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All of yeah. his friends hunt too. Yeah, it's very it's very interesting. Hunting has changed a lot over the years. Um, you know, you really like we have so much more technology, not necessarily technology, but somewhat, you know, and also more knowledge and, um, you know, better products as well. Right. To protect yourself and equipment and better guns and better scopes and and whatnot. You know, you, you go back in time when scopes were just starting and a lot of people were still going with the open sight. Right. That's <laughs> what, how I, I learned how to, to hunt was the open sight. At first, we didn't have scopes. So you have the two, you know, you got to align the dots and yeah. Um, you know, with a rifle, you're shooting far, but you still have to be very precise. Like, you got to hit, you know, uh, if you're shooting, shooting a larger animal, you know, within some, you know, you try to hit in the lungs or uh, in the, the heart anyways, right, in the chest. Because um, otherwise you can hurt the animal and you can lose it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there's a whole, and, and you know, I, th- I think nowadays it's a bit more comfortable. Um, a lot of people will set up things in areas where there's a lot of them. And, and you know, also that I think there's a lot more... Uh, you know they control a lot more wildlife in Canada now, so I think it's it's um, yeah the, the population I think is definitely growing. Um, Do you see it as as a good thing or or a bad thing that that they control the wildlife? Because I don't know I don't know too much about that. It's 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 a it's a tough one, right? Uh, it's a tough one. I think that in you know everybody talks about balance all the time, um, yeah. and uh, you know you know you think bears are like sort of this predator animal or the what do you call it the apex predator we're the actual apex predator on the planet right uh because we have our hands and we have intelligence but if you removed all the technology and all of the you know house you put everyone in the wild today trust me that you know bal- balance would 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 come back uh you know and i think that you, you know so is yeah i think it's a good thing that we're sort of controlling wildlife because we're still We've taken a lot on this on this planet, right? Uh, you know, we've, we have a very big, big footprint. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think it's good. But at the same time, people don't go out as much as, you know, far out. You know, and again, I'm talking about Canada and the States. I think it's so popular in Canada. Um, you know, population, I think, has been declining uh, or or not. It's not moving a lot. We're bringing in a lot of immigrants. Bringing in a lot of immigrants. But, you know people are dying faster than being born, yeah. right? Uh, so immigration is a big one, but, uh, you know, at the same time, we, so we're not really populated and you can't really go further up north. So we have a lot more wildlife, right, um, in Canada. It's very interesting. Yeah, hmm. a lot more land. 
a lot more land. It's huge. Yeah. That's a it's open. huge. It's just this big chunk of land with like that nobody well, lives how many on. How, what's the population of Canada now? Forty it's, million. Yeah. So it's like I, I thought it was under forty million, but it's it's not. It a was lot. thirty-five a couple of years ago, but it's yeah. just because of right now we have about eight hundred eight hundred thousand something. Um, no, it's it's three fifty or four hundred thousand immigrants, but we also take in uh, six to seven hundred thousand uh, student. Um, mm. To finance the, because yep. um, the the universities are subsidized, right? Yeah, and uh, that's how they the that's how they, that's how they make most of the money because the the Canadian they don't pay too much, and then on the international student they charge like forty grand, twenty grand, fifty grand. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Twenty twenty one, it was about thirty eight, a little over thirty eight million. Yeah, yeah. I think so we it's, hit it's, forty it's, this it's year. It's still a very small amount of population. I know it's not even uh, it's it's uh, not even uh, twice as big as Florida. Yeah, 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 exactly. The whole, the whole fucking thing. Yeah. Uh, sorry, going back to the the rafts um, that we were talking about earlier, the lumber. Yeah. Uh, so typically, a raft would contain two thousand to uh, twenty four hundred timbers. Holy shit. Worth roughly about twelve thousand in the middle of century if of the century, and then that same raft um, by the turn of the century was worth a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. There's like sixteen pages of. Damn. A ton of information on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's really it's cool. Uh, I think that my yeah. grandfather's dad or something was uh, was one of those guys. Oh yeah, it's this. Uh, you, when you go, there's, <coughs> you can go deep on that, and like, yeah. it's crazy because it's it's something that's uh, the history is so rich, right? And it's never going to happen again. No. Right? So it's kind of this thing that happened. Uh, I think it happened in in Canada and it happened in Europe as well. Uh, they were using the rivers to sort of like uh, you know travel all the logs, and I think that's the only two places in the world where it happened. And yeah, uh, but it was so big for a short period of time. Yeah, um, it was the only way. It was the only way to to move that that many that many. Uh, yeah, I was looking at a map, at the, like how far down you had to move all of yeah. the the timber. It's pretty long, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Was your family involved in any trading? Because you said it was no. similar to a trading post, or no? No, no. Actually, my it's very interesting because my family doesn't come from that area. Um, my grandfather it was loaded. I think you said no. Well, my grandfather was in the insurance business, so. He, he sold insurances. He had an insurance company. Um, I think he had a team of people working with him. And huh. he also um, he had pro- properties in real estate. And, um, you know, he had a lot of, you know, yeah, a lot of real estate and tenants. And he was a landlord. So nice. uh, a very, very interesting thing. It's like my, my dad left the city. Uh, he was in Gatineau right across the river from, from Ottawa. He wanted the complete um, opposite. Yeah, he after. wanted the complete opposite. <laughs> and then I went back to the complete opposite. Yes. Uh, so it's, it's very, very interesting, uh, you know, process. And uh, that was my dad. And my mom was from a small town, from a farm, farming family. Uh, you know, she was from, yeah, very small town. They, they were, I think, uh, 14. Um, and then when I was younger, I, th- I think they were still like 12, um, you know, brothers and sisters, my aunts and uncles, um, oh, big family, yeah. very big French Canadian family. Uh, so it seems reason. to be a theme with the French. Well, yeah, my yeah. dad's, yes. my dad's family, they're nine. Yeah. Um, Before I, we're, that, we're, f- we're five in mine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 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 You have very, like, you know, you go back like one generation in Quebec and from all these small towns, like the church would essentially, um, Push forced, people to have kids. Yeah, almost right? force, force yeah. the women to have kids. Yeah, so essentially they, they would the priests would talk to the families and say like, you know, continue. Yeah, because they were growing Christianity, right? So yeah. it's uh, it's very very interesting, 
Um, you know, no, this this part of history in Quebec is a little bit weird. It's a little bit weird. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's like this a, a lot of weird, weird things that happen there. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of yeah, a lot of like yeah. um, scars on, yeah. on on the generation before our generation, um, our parents, baby boomers, and yeah, yeah very. So they very threw everything. They threw that. They threw that um, to the drain. Now the now the the religion is basically the government. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's very, it's very <laughs> interesting. Yeah, it's it's yeah. So yeah, so my mom, they were they were a lot. They were farmers, and she, she was growing like from a young age, large quantities of vegetables, and that was sort of her background. My dad, he went to you know to live on that property, and he was just on his own, you know, traveling uh, in the wild and sort of living off the land without necessarily producing large quantities of food. And I think when he met my mom, they started you know growing gardens and. Uh, bringing sort of a bit of the farming aspect, right. um, a little bit more anyways, because my dad had already started, but um, my, my mom had a, a large background in that. Um, and then, yeah, when I was a child, we were growing, like we had an acre of gardens. Uh, so it was like a very... An acre of gardens? Uh, a, an acre of garden. Yeah, Holy was, shit. Oh, wow. Well, we That's were, a big garden. We, that was a huge garden. We, <laughs> were, we were three brothers, right? Three boys <laughs> plus my parents. Um, yeah, because I know and, Guillaume, and, and I never I never met your older brother. My older brother, Nick, so Nicola. Um, he's in Mexico now, which, you know, I think you should talk to him because after he left, uh, my parents, he traveled uh, all over the world, hitchhiking all over the world. So I, I don't know how many countries he, hitchhikes, uh, he hitchhiked in, but he has a, a lot of interesting stories. Um, yeah, he speaks like... Eight or nine languages, uh, most Crazy. of them very fluently as well, huh. and some of them at an expert level. Like his Spanish is just like you know absolutely incredible. You know, it's like he's he's been in Mexico his entire life. I think he's still spent like six or seven years in Mexico, so it's it's a lot. But he has a gift for languages, so you know. It, and I, apparently, more you learn once you once you get past like five or six, it's there's a lot of things that Similarities are working together. And yeah, and then. He's, he's worked a lot over the years at developing his accents, uh, which is another part of language. You may speak the language perfectly, but if your accent is off, people may not understand you where you yeah. are. Yeah. Uh, so he's very good with like um, sort of changing his accents in Mexico. He lives huh. in Mexico and he's like, he can change the accent depending on the region he's in. It's oh, very, wow. very interesting. It's like he's an expert at languages. Uh, he would be so interesting to have on the podcast. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's Nick. And then you know Guillaume. <laughs> Uh, Guillaume, who's who's in Ottawa as well. Um, so yeah, we yeah, worked we together. Guillaume, uh, Guillaume, uh, this is the this is one of the funniest story. Remember when I locked myself out from my apartment? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I locked myself out. It was in the winter time, and I locked myself out in the of the apartment. And um, back then we had the paint the painting business, so we had like ladders and shit like that, right? And I knew my um, it was on the third floor of my apartment buildings. And I knew that um, my uh, patio door was unlocked because I never locked it because it was uh, because it was on the third floor. So I called Guillaume. I was like, because <laughs> he was living the closest, and I was like, "Hey, do you have uh, do you have a ladder I could borrow?" I locked myself out. So I went with no phone, no wallet. Uh, oh no, I had my phone, but no keys, no wallet, no nothing. So <laughs> so I walked to his house like two, three kilometers or something like that, and then we and then he got the uh, we came back and then. I went on up the ladder and then just <laughs> unlocked. <laughs> That's how we did things back in the day, you know. You gotta just do whatever it takes. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah I know Guillaume. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So three three brothers. Uh, we ate a lot of food. 
create a lot. Like you when, know, you when we were growing, like in so high school, said, I was. You said earlier that you you were you had food for years. Maybe can I have um, uh, the other Celsius? I, I um, don't. It's not necessarily that you can necessarily eat how did only. You, how did you uh, yeah. uh, conserve the food? How does that How does that work? So so canning. Um, canning is a is a you know so you can can and like I. I, I'm eating, you know, I still eat my parents' cans because they're so yeah. good, you know, they have very good recipes and yeah. um, some of them you, you can keep them for five, ten years. I'm eating stuff from, man, I don't, like, yeah, I think I'm eating stuff from 2012 right now. <laughs> you know, like tomato so sauces cool. and stuff like that. Uh, it stays, like, at a certain point in time, uh, the can can lose its, uh, you know, its seal or whatever. And, um, as, but as long as it's sealed... Um, so there's like a negative pressure essentially. Um, it'll be good forever. So if you, so really, it's like what happens. It's gonna be good forever. Not necessarily forever, but you. As you, long as the seal, you know, as the seal doesn't, doesn't yeah. So, unseal so you know, can you give an example of like a, an exact type of food that you like? What is the process to make sure that it's sure? Good yeah, for yeah, this yeah, long? absolutely. So, so okay. usually, you know, the general process is that you want you use mason jars, right? Uh, so glass containers, and yeah. you have these. Um, these little lids that go on top, uh, yeah. they just sit on top, they're flat, and the edge of it is like sort of a, in a rubber material. Um, and uh, you wanna basically heat the, uh, whatever's inside the container. Uh, so, you know, it takes, it creates pressure super basically. Hot. Super hot. And then you have these things that you, you, you sort of like, you know, have the mason jars with the small lid and the one that you roll on top that holds it there. Um, so you basically put that in a water container that's boiling and as it, as pressure sort of like uh, builds up, these little bubbles of air will come out of the lid uh, because the, you don't put it tight uh, mm -hmm. on it. Um, and then when it cools down, it's sort of like it cools down and it retracts, right? In, in terms of pressure or whatever, uh, and it seals up. Mm. And you hear them; they do like pop. It's like the the container went like okay. sealed up, and that's that's like when you buy like cans. Um, and you, you hear know, that pop noise, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you hear, yeah, exactly. Okay. So it's the same concept, right? Uh, so you can can like you know. My grandmother soap. was was doing that too. Yeah, yeah, and I, Dale knows how to do it. I, I've done some like uh, salsas a couple of years ago yeah. with Dale, and you know it's it's a very fun process. But we did it, uh, you know, sort of a, as a system, as part of the system, right? You're producing food; you have to keep it. Uh, hmm. So you can can like meat, you know, we would can meat for sandwiches. It's the same, you know, you can can, you can buy canned tuna, we would can fish, right? Uh, so it's very, you can can pretty much everything and it stays good forever. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a conserving food, you know, is, is sort of a skill that's been lost and, you know, transforming from, uh, from having veggies into the ground, having meat come in. So a lot of people, you know, they'll grow a little garden, They'll eat a fresh veggie here and there, and they're like, oh, I'm growing some food. But that's one thing. But then to grow food and sort of, uh, you know, conserve the food for years and transform it in a way that can, you know, we, we dried stuff as well. You can keep dried, you know, uh, dried things for years. Um, so there's a lot that can be done. How did uh, you dry the, the things? How, do, how, how did you dry that? So uh, we had a drying rack. Um, so to dry, you know, and you can buy like now I have an electric dryer, which is interesting. So I can dry like I'll, sometimes I'll grow some yeah. oregano or you know some some spices in my garden in the summer, and I'll dry them in my um, sort of electric dryer, which has a heating uh, unit at the bottom, and then it's all these small little racks with mm. uh, that allows the sort of air to go up, um, and you just spread a few things on there, and it takes you know 24 hours, whatever. We had a wood stove, um, a cooking wood stove, flat top, right? Okay. Um, 
that's you know usually very wide you can use it to cook you have an oven on it so we had one of these old wood stoves um and uh we had a place above it that we could hang uh this hanger uh this uh, this dryer sorry and it was just this box that had different racks in it um with this sort of mesh okay and uh, you just spread some whatever you want on it you can dry onions you can dry peas you can dry all sorts of stuff so you could dry like let's say a mix of uh vegetables right and when it dries it takes like no room at all it it dries and it like it becomes a small little thing you can dry celery carrots all sorts of veggies and then you put them in a mason jar you don't boil them or anything you just them there so it, it stays like sealed if you will um you take that out a year two years whatever later you boil it in a soup let's say right or in whatever you want in a spaghetti sauce or whatever you want it takes a lot of water right but it it comes back to reabsorb the, wa- the yeah, water it comes back to the same size no way yeah and it keeps you huh. keep all of the vitamins you're not cooking it until that point so it's still the first time it's been cooked right which is huh. very crazy, right? Um, so, it, it's very, very different. Uh, wow. You know what I what I what I learned as a as a kid. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. Uh, huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating because I know we we waste a lot of food uh, in the U.S. So this is something that. Yeah, well, in Canada as well, right? Yes. I think just the the way that um, we've been, you know, I think that the way that that the system works right now, um, you know, most people they eat their food and they don't really know where it comes from, yeah. right? They have no idea what the process to bring the food to the plate was. So, therefore, it's just an exchange of money for food and, you know, whatever don't you care. don't eat, you don't care and you waste. But there's no value brought in the food because you have unlimited amount of food. Let me tell you, if food stopped coming in, you know, <laughs> it would be sort of this, you know, you don't think about that. And I don't think it's ever going to happen. We have a lot of food production um, capability, uh, you know, for, for – but takes a lot of food to feed we get 8 attacked. billion people, right? <laughs> could happen. Fair, fair. But generally speaking, right, we're, we're good. You know, if something ever happened where people need to figure <coughs> out, uh, you know, how to produce their own food, you know, it, it would be very difficult. Um, but I'm glad that I, I would be fine. Yeah, um, that's, why, that's, <laughs> why, that's why I want, I want us to start hunting. <laughs> it, it's, you know what? It's, it's a very good, like... People don't think about it like that, but I think it's a very good skill to have. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very good just thing. in case. It, well, it's not just a, a just in case. It's it's also for you to appreciate more uh, what's in front of you when you actually have. Oh the yeah, food. and also the, the the meat is so much better. Yep, all of the food is like so much the, better. Like the yep. like uh, like moose or deer yep. is so much better. Yeah, yeah, wild game definitely. Oh. Um, even even farmed animals that have been you know that have been sort of raised naturally on a farm is also so much yeah. better. I drank goat milk as a child. <laughs> it was the best thing ever. You know, I do sometimes buy goat milk at the grocery. Goat milk. Oh, the, the, the <laughs> goat milk I was, I was drinking was straight up goat milk. We Rock. filtered it with just a, a little, what do you call those little filters just for, huh. f- just to pick up any dirt or anything in it. Right. right? But it didn't remove any straight components. Not necessarily like that, you know, you want to keep, you know, you got to keep it clean. Uh, you know, those are, they're almost rubbing on the ground and, you know, they're sort of like, yeah, cleanliness is actually in the food production. It's actually sort of the first rule. It's like you keep Yeah, it you clean. don't want to get sick off the oh, yeah. food that you're yeah, growing yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever you're yeah. cultivating. So you, so you, how does, how does that work? You, cl- you clean it? 
and then you clean it and then before you start you have to squeeze and, and yeah, squeeze and go down right so you have to squeeze between right like yeah. between your thumb and your your uh, your palm and go down like and this and then you you basically sort of like it's like you got to squeeze oh, you're massaging. here with the tongue. I've seen you're this massaging. in video yeah I haven't yeah. done it yet but I've seen it in yeah. video it's it's very so milk kit and yeah. then there's shit, there's white things that come out there's there's milk basically <laughs> you milk it and it goes in the bucket or in the, in the container uh, and then you filter that and uh, yeah, we, we, we actually made our own cheese. Uh, we made oh, our nice. own yogurt. Um, really? Yeah. How do you yeah. make cheese? Uh, that that was like remember? my... I remember. So basically, you sort of boil the milk at a certain temperature. Uh, you add some... Um, you add something in it. I forget what it is. I'm guessing you were not assigned to making the cheese. I, I, no, I wasn't assigned okay. to making the cheese. Yeah. Um, but and you then, saw some of yeah exactly it's, it's okay. basically you add like almost like a bacteria or something in it that, yeah, that makes yeast, it like maybe, exactly uh, like it's like a something like that yeah i forget what it is it has huh. a name it comes in a little bottle you got to keep it in the fridge um and then you, you put that in it and you boil at a certain temperature then after that it starts like creating like chunks essentially in it okay. and the water separates uh from the milk hmm. and um then you put it in a sort of a strainer so you have these like clots essentially that will prevent the 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 actual um, you know sort of particles to get out but the water can can come out of it and then we have this press and you essentially press this like inside a container with a bunch of small holes in wrapped into a cloth you press down and then the liquids would come out and then you tie the press and you keep it and eventually a couple hours later you press more and you continue that process for a little while sometimes like over the whole day okay and uh and then we took it out it was this chunk of cheese it wasn't cheese like it didn't look and feel like cheese like you have like uh you know mozzarella cheese or whatever yeah. like you have in the, in the store uh it was a little you know a little bit more brittle it was still hold itself but you know it wasn't it wouldn't melt as well but it was very good very very good very tasty huh. um different than the taste of what you know what you would taste you know in cheese at the didn't taste store. like a cheddar cheese or whatever no no, no it it's hard to describe the taste, but it's it's very very good. I guess it depends yeah. how you make it, right? Uh, mm -hmm. sure. I don't know nothing about making cheese. That could yeah. be interesting. No, I was, to I was have reading uh, about like using they use a bacteria to yeah, get bacteria. lactic acid. Yeah. Um, yeah. To help to get it to curd. Oh. Exactly. It's yeah, like it, it starts like clots. Oh, that's why uh, creating, that's why know, the le fromage the, the curds, curds, yeah. Yeah. the curds. Yeah, yeah, the the, nice. the poutine uh, cheese curds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Essentially, yeah, those are like the the these are so good the leftovers, <laughs> right? Ones. Oh, they're good. I oh, love them. I can't yeah. have those at home. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, you don't have those in Florida, but uh, no. yeah, oh. it's something else. When you go to Canada, you gotta <laughs> no, have we, a poutine. We, you made uh, me try some when we were up there. Oh, you went? Okay, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's she went for Christmas last year. Yeah, yeah. I love my poutine once in a while. It's, it's like good. Yeah, it's a little bit. It's a little bit weird. But it's delicious. Oh, it's delicious. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, my wife argues with okay. me, but, uh, you know, I, I always put ketchup in, in my poutine. Yeah. And she's... All right. You need to pee? Okay. Let's let's stop here for a second. Nice. And we're back. <sighs> <sighs> Talking for a few hours and, and drinking is... It's hard sometimes. Because... Uh, I need to drink water when I, when I talk like me that. Too. It's like... Um, me yeah. too, but then but then you piss you piss every time. I pissed three times in the the other the other podcast that we did this morning. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, if you're going for like two hours and you know, yeah, it's it's the same. You got to drink water and uh, especially when you talk, because yeah. fucking 
you have this um it's it get your mouth gets super dry yeah and then it sounds weird and it's, yeah, uh, yeah. it feels weird too yeah so it's nice it's nice to what were we talking what were we talking about i don't know where we were cheese. yeah the cheese, cheese. We oh yeah fucking making cheese. cheese okay so yeah i wanted to hear more about the, the hunting about yeah, the hunting yeah the hunting like <laughs> You know what? This is the oh, crazy. Yeah, this is a stories. No, nice. but this is a crazy part, right? And uh, this is absolutely like it's so weird because I hunted so much small game, never killed my own deer. Huh? Yeah, I was there um, all of the time. You know, I've seen a lot of them um, being shot. I participated in gutting all of them. Um, you know, removing the skin and sort of like. Butchering the, the you know the I did meat. that too with my uncle when yeah. we did uh, when we uh, when we went uh, in 2019. That was the first time I went uh, I went hunting and with my uncle and my dad, yeah. and we went for a moose hunt. Okay, and, yeah, that's um, on on my uncle's property, and it was it was amazing. We we spent like a week over there, and we killed on the fourth day, I think. Yeah, um, I missed I missed four times. <laughs> it's very easy. <laughs> the to gun miss, was crooked. You know? Yeah, you, you gotta very know. You gotta really know your weapons. You know, so so it's very interesting. I, you know, I killed when I was a kid. I I hunted so much small game. Um, so at first I learned how to trap before I learned how to hunt. And um, I would just put snares and st I started trapping very young, like ten or eleven years old. I'll go out, put some snares out. I would find the the rabbits uh, where where they had some trails. Essentially, I would sort of create sort of a barrier to bring them to a smaller area and then I, I would put a snare there the snare and is a chenille right it, the snare is like um it's almost like a little wire a metal wire right oh, okay uh that's flexible so it's like uh you know and you just you basically just put one one straight loop uh, that loops into the end uh and you tie that to a solid piece of wood and when they go in it just ties around their neck and then they're basically huh. it, it, yeah it takes them out uh so i started like trapping when i was young i i trapped um Oh, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. Collet. Yeah, collet. Uh, okay. yeah, 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 okay, cool, cool. Yeah, collet. I, know I okay. trapped uh, a beaver um, on on the on the, the the you know beaver dams. Essentially, you have those areas of water, and then you have the the house, right. uh, which is usually like sort of a pile of wood and um, wood and sort of dirt mixed together with all sorts of of leftovers, and they sort of swim from underneath, right? <laughs> Uh, so you could find the entrance, uh, basically. You put a hole in the ice. There's a way to find the entrance. And once you find the entrance, you can also put um, you can also put sort of a um, uh, trap in there. Uh, we use those traps that sort of snapped back. Um, and, uh, yeah, okay. so I learned how to trap from a very young age. I would also hunt uh, partridge. Um, most of the time I would hunt with a small What's rifle. That? Partridge, it's like... Uh, um, a big bird. It's No, it's a small bird. Essentially, it's... Um, the perdri. Perdri, it's... Uh, there's another name for it. Um, it's a grouse. A, a grouse is, is that a grouse? I don't know. It, it's a perdrix in French, and I thought it was partridge, uh, but we have them a lot. Um, yeah. it's about this big, right? Yeah, it's very small. Yeah, uh, very small, and they hang out together. Usually, there's a couple together. Yeah. And then, and then you walk by them. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah exactly. That's the one. That's so the you one. walk, you walk by them, and then they shoot, and then you like pull. So, <laughs> so that's that's sort of um, that's a shotgun. It's a way of, of uh, hunting them, which will spread sort of the uh, you know the range of a bunch of little um, what do you call them like Shark. pellets or yeah exactly. Yeah. 
Um, so, so when they move, it's easier to, to shoot them. I would mostly hunt with a 22 rifle, which is a small caliber. My bolt action was my first uh, gun. Oh, you would I, hunt them with that? Yeah. So in the head, I had to be very <laughs> precise. It was, I had a very, very good shot. Uh, I remember, so I would practice a lot. I, you know, my parents would let me do that because it, it was sort of this thing where, you know, we were in the wild, right? Yeah. So our, our activities, um, Things that we did for fun as brothers, we were three brothers, um, were all in the wild. They were all in the forest. So shooting gun was one of them. Uh, we were shooting. We all had a bow, some arrows. We all had a slingshot. Did you make your bow? Uh, I made a bow once. Um, it didn't work out so well, but it worked, right? There are certain ways of making a bow that, that works. Uh, it doesn't do the best bow, but you can, do, you can make a bow with very, very limited materials. Um, so you can basically, there's, there are some tribes uh, that were um, um, Native Americans, tribes that, that certain clans would use this technique to make a bow where they, they would just pick up a small sort of like tree that's growing off the ground. Uh, it wasn't perfect. As long as it was straight, it was okay. Then they would basically put the string on the one side. Um, so you had sort of the first curve, you know, first large curved piece. Then they would use this other curved piece that was a bit shorter but I was curved the other way around. Right. And they would put a, a string between the top two and then the string here that you would pull on it. So even if your piece of wood wasn't super solid, because you had pressure between... Uh, between opposing. Opposing, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's always like it, you pull on the first, it would pull on the second one, and it gave you more power, more pressure, mm. essentially. So I've, I've uh, experimented with that, you know, as a kid, but... You know, we had very good bows, so, you know, it, it's sort of this thing where you, you played with everything. We just played in the wild doing crazy things. Uh, you know, I would throw knives. I had a collection of, of, <laughs> of uh, throwing knives. Um, I, I had nunchucks, which is crazy. Cause I, I did martial arts, so my parents put me in jujitsu. I started doing ju I got my blue belt in jujitsu. Cool. Um, I, I think I was, like, 13 or 14 when I got my blue belt. I didn't go above that. You, do um, you do this anymore, or? Not I right don't. Now. I haven't done jujitsu since I was 16 years old. I stopped okay. when I left my parents uh, doing all forms of martial art. I did jujitsu from the age of six. I stopped doing it at 14, but then I started. Uh, I joined this other academy that was more. That was when UFC was starting, and uh, there was sort of this mixed martial art uh, academy that opened up in the region. It was a bit more rough, and it was sort of a fighting. Jujitsu is like the art of defending yourself. Um, so you're not necessarily like, you you're know, not you're not, jabs, you're not right? throwing jabs. But then I, I went through this other school and I, I learned a little bit more on, on being in the ring and fighting. and mm -hmm. you know, a lot more action. And um, I remember the, the day before my graduation pictures in high school. And I have this picture I would have to show you. I have this huge black eye for my graduation <laughs> pictures oh, because no. the night and, and the crazy part is this was so funny because one of one, one of my best friends um, his name was Jay and he was very talented in in martial arts and we were also like both of us would work out so we were both like sort of this these tall uh, you know, at 16, I was stronger. I've never been as strong as I was when I was 16. I would work out twice a day. We had a gym in high school. So I would lift weights, um, you know, every day, every day, twice a day. And he would too. Uh, so I remember we had like the bench press competitions at school and we we're both the two like two like top tiers and we were doing martial arts together. And we uh, we had a match, like a very friendly match and he knocked me out. It was sort of this thing. It's just like, 
I thought it was going to give me a kick, and he actually, like, he's, like, he was just bluffing, and he, he, he did this huge punch. He just knocked <laughs> me the fuck out. I was cold. Cold. Yeah, <laughs> cold. I was done. So, and then the next day, I had a black eye, and, you know, I, I actually, I did martial arts for most of my, my youth, but never got into an actual fight, uh, ever. Because the first thing they teach you in jujitsu is, like, you know, um, you know, it's the art of defending yourself, but you avoid every fight that you can. Yeah, yeah you're, you're not starting. You, yeah. You, yeah. When so you get choked, you get a... You, the yeah, and, and you know, you never know what can happen, right? right. Uh, so if you're able to avoid it, you know, I knew how to defend myself, and my parents were sort of like, they were pushing me to learn martial arts, and I loved it, so I continued. I, I When I was a kid, I would do, like, jujitsu competitions and stuff. It was, like, hmm. a big part of my childhood. So the, the handling of weapons was... Then, you know, being on the farm and being a hunter as well, <laughs> uh, learning how to shoot, uh, you know, and, and then, you know, learning how to use. So I learned how to use nunchucks. Just uh, picturing you with nunchucks and it's just super funny. Well, you know, <laughs> it, it, was, it was crazy. I was actually yeah. very, very, very talented. Maybe he's with, very good. With, oh, yeah. No, it's not I so funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in, it's very interesting. So nunchucks are actually illegal in, in Canada. Really? Um, yeah. Well, you can't, not oh. illegal, all forms of Everything nunchucks. Everything is illegal back there. Fuck. So it's not all forms of nunchucks because nunchucks are super dangerous, dude. So what happens is the Bruce Lee movies came out, right? Yeah. So that was in my and dad's everybody. time. My dad learned how to do nunchucks, and he taught me <laughs> a lot on nunchucks. He was actually <laughs> like my nunchuck sort of hero when I was a kid, and then I learned uh, a lot of different techniques, and I started watching YouTube, and I learned a bunch on that, right? So, But nunchucks, uh, when Bruce Lee came out, yeah. everybody started getting nunchucks in Canada, and a lot of people got killed in street fights really? because of nunchucks because no when you swing a nunchuck, you know, you have that last little snap And even though you're going, you know, you're doing, it's like if I hit you in the baseball bat, it's just that swing. But the nunchuck goes from basically behind you to in front of oh, you yeah, it's in like a split force. of a second. It's like you go, and at the very that, end, it's like the, the thing goes like crazy. Yeah, so, so it's you, actually you, very. You, ca you catch, a, catch a hit on your head in, in the head it, or whatever. Oh, it is. It's very, very dangerous. Huh. So in Canada, we're allowed uh, flexible material nunchucks. So yeah, ah. they have to be sort of rubber Uh, material. Oh, so you can have yeah. like hardwood. You can, or yeah, you can actually like buy them on Amazon. They sell them and they'll ship to Canada because they're 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 you're not allowed to have a hardwood nunchuck because that's that's uh, that's definitely very dangerous. So it's not so yeah. hard to make one if you want. <laughs> no, exactly. But then again, it's like we you know, it's sort of this martial art form that's very right. nice to practice, but it's very sort of like it's it's almost uh, artistic, right? Yeah. Um, when you huh. when you, you have watch videos like, of uh, you like uh, practicing the nunchuck thing, uh, so Dan has a video of me in high school. Um, <laughs> so I loved to perform when I was a kid. Uh, I, I played music as well, so I played guitar, and huh. I was in a band. Uh, when I got in high school, I joined a band, and we were friends, and we did a lot of shows. So we did, in the high school, you'd always have these sort of uh, annual sort of competition, talent performance competition. Right. And for many years, I would, like, sort of play guitar uh, with my like band. And and spectacle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's basically, like, and, and then you have the different high schools from the from the province or whatever that compete against once another. So you compete, uh, you know, on a local level first, and then you go on a on a sort of, like, provincial, not provincial, but sort of regional level yeah. after. Uh, so I did a lot of those competitions playing guitar. And uh, the last year of high school, I actually did a nunchuck show. <laughs> and really? I did, yeah, I did in high school, and then uh, we went in the regional uh, sort of show, and Dan was playing piano, and I was doing nunchucks. It was actually this 
crazy thing. I don't know why. It was actually very dangerous because I was so close, you know, to the to the crowd. Uh, and then has that video. I've never seen it, actually, but he claims that he has it. So we'll have to... <laughs> if you don't, send a copy. So yeah, yeah, that's my yeah. best yeah. friend. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have a lot of, you know... We I have can't believe that we have... We have uh, one of our close, like, one of our best friends, too, that can corroborate the whole fucking story. Because <laughs> he was there. Yeah. Oh, so that was, that was a lot of fun. So I, I did that. Um, and also a lot of other weapons that, you know, I learned, I learned how to handle weapons the right way. Uh, you know, it's very, you got to be very careful. Never had an accident. You know, I was, you know, even handling guns. It's very, you got to be very careful. There's a way to do it properly. And, um, and that's just part, part of our childhood. Really. Yeah. What was uh, the craziest thing that happened when you were in the um, in the wild? Yeah, I, I wrote that down. I was wanted to you, know about dangerous situations that you might have been in. You know what? The crazy thing is that um, we were living off the land, but in harmony with uh, the land, right? So mm -hmm. with nature, um, it was just I, normal. It was just normal. Yeah. Right. In nine, I think in ninety two or ninety three. Uh, no, later than that. What year was the ice storm? There was this massive ninety eight. Okay. Wait, wait later. I, I was like 92. I, I was born in 91, so I, yeah. I wouldn't have remembered. In 98, I remember. I was seven, seven years old. Yeah. Um, we had this crazy ice storm, yeah. right? It was like a disaster yeah. in the entire my, province. My father lost uh, half of his trees, of his maple, because of yeah. that. Yeah. Power cut uh, everywhere yeah. for weeks. For weeks. For weeks. And like it's thick snow. Like snow. thick snow. Yeah. Yeah. There, was, there, was, there was this thick of ice on on trees like even even thick like thicker yeah. than that on trees massive like. power lines were coming down yeah. like it was this disaster it's it like wild. you read about it in the it you can find so many news article about it it One was of like the biggest natural disaster in quebec yeah. yeah exactly so the crazy part is that you know i people ask me like was there something that was dangerous for or you it didn't you know, change anything no it didn't change anything yeah. for us. We were putting our ice skates on, right? And because <laughs> they couldn't open up the road, we were without being able to get out of the property because the road wasn't open. It was iced up. Every, the whole region was iced up. So we were the last ones to, <laughs> to get the service, right? So I remember going and, and skating on the road and having so much fun because it was just a normal day <laughs> in the life of... You didn't, we yeah. didn't have to do anything, right? Yeah. You're just there. You didn't and need the power. You didn't need you don't the, need the it power. It didn't change anything for you. Yeah, exactly. That's you know, wild. so it's it's crazy. You have, you know, you have you stored the, you know, firewood for the winter, so you're good. <laughs> you know, you're heating with, with wood. Um, you know, we still had, at the time, we still had no, no, no water, uh, no running water, so you still had to go and get the water from, from the stream. From the creek the stream. The river Yeah, exactly. But uh, otherwise, it was, uh, it was, Nothing very really happened. What that did was you conserve crazy. water in? Uh, this massive barrel. So it was like, you know, it, it's it was this massive barrel on the second floor of the house. Um, so that way there was pressure, right? And then there was actually a plumbing system. Uh, when I don't remember that much, but when I was very young, we didn't have uh, the barrel on the second floor and, and yeah. that plumbing system in the house. We just had a one barrel. Water would come in. Uh, you know, it was sanitized and whatnot. You know, you can wash it with uh, with uh, bleach. The same way that they wash wells in, in Canada. You can bleach the well and then you run water through it. And um, the water was conserved in that. And then it was filtered. So we had a filter for uh, our drinking water. And uh, when I was very young... All Did you have to boil it or no? Uh, no, we didn't have to. No, never. See? It was very fresh water. See? Uh, very, very fresh water. Yeah, you know, there, there are some, you know, in Wakefield, about... 30-minute drive from Ottawa, mm -hmm. I go there sometime, 
and there is this uh, this running stream on yeah. the side of the road, and yeah. they have installed the these, best water. They install these pipes. It literally just picks up the water from the stream, yeah. and it's considered and potable water. It. And yeah. everybody stops there on to the side of the road water, to yeah. get fresh water. There's it's a place, the best uh, tasting water. There's ever. a place like yeah. that near my dad's house too, at like 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Yeah. And in the uh, um, Fuck, what's the name? I think Dorelay or something like that. Whatever. It's, it's crazy. You don't see that a lot. No. But there are no. these places and yeah. this water. Because what happens is it comes, you know, we have this chain of mountains in Canada. It's called the Bouclier Canadien. I forget what it is in English. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Um, like a Canadian Shield. Canadian Shield. <laughs> That's exactly it, actually. Uh, it's a Canadian Shield. So you have the Ottawa River, uh, the Ottawa Valley, who's, which essentially, you know, farmland and, and the valley. Fort Coulonge, where I was from, is actually in the valley, but right before you go up the hills. And then my parents, you went up the, the Canadian Chill. It's actually a big chain of mountain. Uh, you have most of the ski hills on that chain of mountain and yep. a lot of stuff, right? It's really like... You Why know, is it yeah, called the Canadian Shield? I'm not I sure because no oh, okay. it, it goes. It's very, very long, and it's basically uh, farmland type, valley type, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, for like you know, hundreds of kilometers, mountains. Uh, mountains. It's like this, yeah. sh- this sort of like mountain range that yeah. sort of That's separates the street. And on the other side of it, I mean, it just continues. Like it's just, yeah, it just continues, and then okay. you're basically in the you know hill, very yeah. hilly terrain all the way to the North Pole. So we live, you know, my parents live essentially. You, you just you literally the highway would go, and then you'd see this big hill and then you have this little dirt road that went up and it was a 30 minute drive up up the road you were go- gaining a lot of elevation so your um, your parents lived lived up the up, up that exactly hill. And, huh. and that's why the water is very fresh right it's yeah. cuz it's coming down so same thing with with Wakefield near Ottawa it's the same Canadian shield uh, so essentially it's the same water right yeah. it's all coming from up north from lakes that are higher up and they sort of go downstream um, and then a lot of it goes through the mountain, like underground. There's a lot of underground mm-hmm. water. And no, it it's comes, a beautiful. It's a beautiful yeah. place. Uh, it's yeah. a, absolutely. Even Wakefield is, is oh, super it's, nice. It's Our friend Kyle develop uh, develop properties over there. Yeah. And um, he, uh, yeah, he, he 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 does a lot of construction projects over there too. And um, it's it's super nice in the mountains and and, and it, but it's kind of the last place where it's developed. Wakefield. Exactly. Um, the 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 highway didn't even go that far a couple of years ago, and well, now it's, it goes uh, up to Wakefield, and then further. I don't think there's any. No, it, it keeps going. What happened is like even where my parents are located, it became sort of cottage country, right? Okay. As you know, a lot of people from Ottawa even go up to Fort Cologne, that yeah. small village. It's an hour and a half drive. You know, if you have a cottage within an hour and a half drive. It's uh, not that far. It's it's, it's like Tremblay in Montreal. It's it's very very manageable. It's very manageable, and also an hour you know, and a half, because, two hours. Yeah, and because you have the Ottawa Valley and then the Canadian Shield, where all the lakes and the rivers are like past that point, yeah. uh, then areas like my my parents um, are are being developed. So it's so growing a lot now. It's growing a lot now. Yeah, so mm. it's not as yeah, cause far two, out. Because right? two hours, two hours about the cutoff for for a very uh, easy to do. Um, um, a cottage in in in, the, in this in this yeah. area because a lot of people in in Montreal too. There's two hours up, two hours down. That's about where you're gonna have the frame for the cottage for the very wealthy. Yeah. You're gonna be because it's because you got to think about it. You're gonna leave. Let's say you leave you and you finish work around five six on Friday night or th- or four or whatever. Then it's manageable getting there not too late. Um, on Friday night, you spend the weekend over there, and then and then you can come back Sunday afternoon, and then and then you can work in the Ex- city during exactly. the week. Exactly. So yeah. two hours about is about the cutoff for 
for a nice location. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Longer than that, you lose you lose a lot of value. Yeah, definitely. Like you know, when, when I was a kid, I remember there were a few cottages in the area. So we had our first neighbors. Well, we called them the neighbors, but it was essentially a cottage, uh, and they were one and a half mile away from <laughs> us on a lake because we weren't it was on the a first lake. one. It was the first one, the first cottage. <laughs> was it? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So the power lines didn't go all the way, right? Uh, you know, they still don't have power lines today, so no electricity. Uh, they have solar panels now, but huh. uh, but nowadays it's developed so much that you know, because the, the what happens they live up this road and the road keeps going pretty far, mm-hmm. and and you know if you go up and up and up and they've de- de- developed a lot, uh, built a lot of cottages. So when we were kids, like there were there was barely any any traffic. You know, sometimes there would be an entire day without a car going by, right? Mm. Now when I go v- visit my parents, you know, you'll have like, you know, sometimes like 50, 100 vehicles going by on the road. It's still very quiet, right? Yeah, yeah. It's crazy, like 50 to 100 vehicles. From it, it, makes, it makes so much more sense now that you said the noise yeah. in Mexico because you lived in Mexico for yeah, a year. So we, yeah. You were yeah. very sensitive to all the noise because you grew up with in such a yeah. quiet place. And Absolutely. Well, that's you know, why it's crazy that he that he, he built uh, you know businesses and like something like that like t- to the to the level because he really literally started at nothing. He couldn't, you know. That's that's the that's what I that's why I'm so impressed with with Dan especially. Dan couldn't even email. Yeah. He almost quit. <laughs> he almost quit being an entrepreneur over ha- the the how to send a fucking email. Yeah. Because he couldn't yeah, he yeah. couldn't set he couldn't set the CRM up. Yeah. And I had to, <laughs> I showed it's him how to open a, a, a Gmail account or whatever that was uh, in in 2011 or something like that. And then it's we figure out the. I, sh- I showed him. It's like very easy. Then you know, you can. I'm sure you can figure that out. <laughs> it's very crazy because, like, you know, even with the people I went to high school with, including Dan, uh, a lot of people uh, that I know of, not necessarily, I don't necessarily talk to them anymore, or maybe I still, you know, I still see them on social media and whatnot, but. A lot of people that grow up, uh, you know, further away, you know, including yourself, Dan, and yeah. whatnot. But uh, for some reason, Dan is the one that impressed me the most because I think yeah. he, for some, he starts. He started very, very rough. Yeah, yeah. you were very, you were way more polished than, than him. Um, when I when I knew when yeah. I when I Dan I, was a true lumberjack. Holy shit! Yeah. <laughs> holy shit! Yeah. Dan was no, a true lumberjack, and now yeah. he looks like one with the big beard and the. Yeah. He's gonna need to shave though. Is in. <laughs> But you know what? It's crazy because so much ambition, and he runs such a, a good, large, everybody loves him, profitable business. He's like amazing, you know, he's the leading. He has the, you know, he is the painting uh, cabinetry refacing and cabinetry painting business in the Ottawa region. He's the largest company uh, at the moment. I don't even know how many employees he, he does. Um, he has, uh, but I know he, he runs in the five to seven million dollars of, of revenue a year. It's crazy. Yeah, and you know, it's it's from 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 being. Yeah, he's super profitable too. Yeah, yeah. From being super from profitable, the woods everything, everything is yeah. everything is is organized. They have they systemize everything. So he's been he's been growing very very slow and very very steadily over the last five years. And to to process to 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 be able to to every every operation in the business is processed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Consistency. Yeah. Consistency. Yeah. Yeah, so very. It's been it's been a quite quite the journey. Uh, <laughs> I have to say, quite quite the journey. But there's yeah, there's so many stories. You know, one of the good ones that I like to to, to bring up, and uh, you know, a lot of people like to hear about it is is um, is uh, just building shelters. Uh, that was like I've always been good in construction. I worked, you know, um, 
leaving my parents and I started, you know, I started in different businesses, but I did uh, home renovations for many years. I, I have this thing. I understand how things are, are built. Um, very good at understanding how things are put together. And I had that from a very young age. So I started with my, my two brothers. We started building uh, winter shelters and staying in, in very, very cold uh, temperatures uh, in, in the coldest months. Yeah, because outside, you, you, yeah. you go cold? out in the winter, whatever the, se- the, whatever the season, and you can survive. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, winter shelters, it's, you know, again, it's, it's sort of like you have to understand how it's built. But once you understand how it's built, it's very straightforward. Um, and then for sure, if you're in a survival situation versus if you, you know, for us, we, we got to practice it. But still, you know, we were still comfortable, right? We, we didn't need to do it. We just did it because right. we wanted to have fun. So it's sort of this thing where, you know, I've done it so many times um, as a kid learning and having fun. Right. And I think that's the best way to learn things. It's like, you know, if you're having fun doing it you're you know you're enjoying it it's you, you'll learn you'll experiment we it. need to rethink how we teach we teach we teach things yeah and especially to boys uh, especially because yeah. it's impossible to stay still for a few hours yeah uh, we're, we're talking we're having fun but i'm fucking moving <laughs> i'm like <laughs> i'm staying loose as i can't stand. i can't i can't stand uh sitting still yeah i agree i'm the same <laughs> yeah <laughs> gotta do something but again I, th- I don't think that's everyone though uh, I think there's a lot of people that that are very very good. Like, I think it's a personality thing. Um, I'm I'm very similar to you, in the fact that I have a million ideas, and I like to create or to to build things. But some people are are not very good at creating and and at developing or, or building things, and they're very good at doing one thing very very well. And uh, you know, for me, I always say like I, I have a hard time doing the same thing for like you know more than. 20 minutes, you know, 30 minutes. It's like sort of my max, <laughs> you know, max amount of time. And even there, <laughs> I like to do two-minute tasks, three-minute tasks. That's what I perform the most. I can do a million tasks in a day, but if you ask me to sit for like an hour and do something, like that's hard. You know? <laughs> that's, hard. That. that's why I, I cannot I'll, do administration. Oh, like, I, you know, when I got my, real, <laughs> my realtor license, that was the hardest thing I've done, uh, you know, in a long time. I, you know, like... Harder than building shelters. Harder than building shelters. Yeah, I didn't. I was Hard, not. I, yeah. I, so okay. So the way I learned real estate was, I followed this guy Pat. Um, he was selling. Uh, he was selling about a hundred about a hundred homes a year in in the team when I when I when I started to when I started to work and that's how I that's how I learned because I stayed I stayed super super close to that guy, and uh, because in the in the course or whatever, they, they, they teach you, but they don't teach you really how it works, right? They teach you how to fill the paperwork and the reason why it's kind of important. Um, but they don't teach you exactly, you know, there, there's, they could, they could, there, there could be a better, a better, a better uh, job in teaching you the reality of what it is to be an agent, what it is like, how do you get leads, how to like very like, and then, and then not by people that are, that are teaching, like by people that are actually doing the work and that are people that are actually successful doing it. I think there's, there, there's a lot of things that we need to, um, we need to rethink, especially when we teach like some trades or, or, or business or marketing or whatever, like the, you know, like the, uh, and at the university, at college, when we had those professors that, you know, they were teaching business, but they were, they were, they were teachers. They were, they were not, so that's why, that's why I wanted to quit, to, to quit college when, when I was um, when I, I I was doing the painting because I, w- I, I couldn't relate at all uh, with you know everything that they were teaching in bu- in business school because that's where that's where I was and then I, fi- I finally 
I thank God I, fin I finished it. I just finished. Um, I just uh, were able to do uh, uh, social studies with uh, economics, economics minor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, but but yeah, it's, it's, it well, was, it was so far in yeah. the, up in the sky in the university compared to the actually trying to organize and managing and and finding like and figuring it out. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I think that they teach you, you know, just more of a way of doing things. Um, or they teach you what I felt like. What I felt like. I felt like it was just to how to be an employee in a big corporation. I feel like. Yeah, and that's most of what you know the world needs, um, and that's the reality, right? Uh, really, the world, the world also need entrepreneurs. But yeah. I, I, I believe in balance. I think that sure. natural balance, like being an entrepreneur, is so hard uh, because if you fuck it up, it's it's a hundred percent on you, right? So th that's the harsh reality <laughs> of entrepreneurship. And, and I think that natural balance in, in the entrepreneurship world is very important. If you're, if you're not going to be a hustler, if you're not going to do things the right way, um, you know, if you're not going to, you know, aim to be the top in your field or, you know, if you're not going to strive towards the best, you're going to automatically get out. You're not going to be able but to But you need to be a hustler to up, until, up, up, uh, up to a certain point. Then... Then you cannot anymore because then you're never going to be able to grow and then you're never going to be able to pass this level of uh, doing everything yourself mm. and, and hey, whatever. So you I, have, so I think that so then yeah. so then if you continue to hustle, you know, past a certain point, then you never you, you're just going to run the, your business into the ground. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Delegating yeah. the work is what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. 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 You can only grow at a certain speed as well. Right. Uh, you know, there, there's a certain that's the the, wor the reality of entrepreneurship is crazy because. You know, you, you th you're at a certain level, and if you want to grow to another level, you have to you have to have take to a certain everything. step, and you have to change everything. So you're always learning, and you're always growing. But you know, we, the interesting part is if you surround yourself, and you know, you get good coaches and mentors and and whatnot, then then uh, things uh, things will really work out, right? Hmm. And just like you know, fitness or anything else. Like first thing we we did, like you know, when we started our our, um, our team in Ottawa this year, Dale and I in January. Is we hired a coaching company for for it, and we're, we have our biweekly meeting, and we're just following the system. Someone's figured it out. So, can you explain that a little bit more? Because everyone's hearing this for the first time. Exactly what you do, going from uh, from the woods to what you do now. <laughs> yeah. So now, now I'm a real estate agent. Um, okay. You know, I, it's 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 been very interesting. My trajectory over the year was, you know, I, I sort of went from from being in the woods, and then I left, and I started uh, in the sales and marketing business, and I did different. I had different sort of jobs in different industries, and yeah, because the first thing you did was uh, uh, network marketing. Network right? marketing. How yeah. did that go? Uh, well, that that was sort of a very interesting. You business. were like eighteen or whatever. Like. I was eighteen years old. Yeah. So and I had a job. I had a, actually I got a sales was, job. That was a year. Uh, how? Do, okay. So how? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah. The so, transition. Yeah. <laughs> to so, the, so the transition to business. So th this crazy thing happened where you know I was sort of like. I went to normal, I went to regular school, I went to high school. Yeah. I graduated at the age of 15 from high school. So Oh, that's super I early. S uh, super early. I started school like, I think because my birthday is in August, I started school sort of like, I could have started school the following year, uh, but I, I started school at the, at the, fa the fastest I could start. So I'm happy my parents put me in, in preschool right away, and um, I was sort of the youngest in my class. Um, I think there was one more younger than I was, and... Graduated at, at 15, um, and uh, I, well, all I had known was sort of like, you know, the area where I lived um, and sort of the woods. So I wanted to explore the world. 
it's like I wanted to get out there and I wanted to see things. My older brother, uh, he started traveling. He went to college for a year and he started traveling. So by the time I was done house high school, um, he was out west, uh, close to Vancouver. And uh, sort of he inspired me to go and explore. So I hitchhiked. I left my parents with a backpack and hitchhiked across the country. Um, I, I met up with my brother in, in, in British Columbia in the Okanagan Valley. Um, so nice over there. Very, very nice. It's such a beautiful part of the country. Oh. It's like, you know, everyone, you know, British Columbia, the province of British Columbia is like the most scenic thing that oh, you'll yeah. see. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. You Kelowna, Kelowna is the yeah. it's probably, it's one of the best places on earth. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. And the crazy thing about Br- British Columbia is that you have the Okanagan Valley, which is essentially, Essentially, it's like the tail end of the desert uh, going mm-hmm. up, you know, um, up the West yeah. Coast. It's, uh, uh, it's the similar to Napa Valley in California. It's absolutely yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's this big valley, yeah. uh, and there's a lot of fruits growing and then, there. And, and then an hour east, it's the Rockies. And yeah. Then if, and then when you, you have Banff, it's the mountain. Lake Louise is the pro- – is, is, for me, this is the prettiest sea- scenery I've seen in my oh, life yeah. by far. Oh, by yeah. by far, it's it's beautiful. It's, it's oh, yeah. there, there's no, there's so few places um, that lives up to to the hype, and it's su- that that are, that are super hyped. Yeah. And Lake Louise is probably one of the top that lives up to the hype. It's um, absolutely amazing. It's it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So I was there. Um, I was actually there. I lived in Banff, uh, not too far from <laughs> from Lake Louise, for a little while. Uh, but I traveled around. Like I left my parents. I hitchhiked. I, I got a a job as I started washing dishes actually in a restaurant. I was, I was still 15 years old. Um, and I, I pitched my tent in the woods, because uh, <laughs> a lot of people were working in the region and, and picking fruits. So picking uh, cherries and whatnot. Yeah. And it's sort of a culture. Uh, people go there and they pitch tents and they yeah, camp. It's, like, it's actually for a kid. You make a lot yeah. of money doing that. You can yeah. make uh, 30 bucks an hour, it was 40 bucks an hour or something like that. A lot, yeah. of, a lot of people traveling from all over. If you work mostly, hard, you can yeah. make a lot of money. You can make a lot of money. It was all this, it's this culture. It's like kids from traveling from all over and yeah. meeting there and camping and picking cherries. Yeah. I start. It's a thing. Yeah, it's oh yeah. still a thing today. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of kids that finish high school. They yeah. go they go there for a year or so. Or for the summers. Yeah. Or uh, for the summers. A, yeah. It's a summer thing. Um, I met tons of people there. Uh, tons of, of young people from Quebec or from all over the country and from the states. Uh, it's this crazy thing. So camping was part of the culture too. Uh, but I didn't camp with other people. I sort of found my own sort of little piece of forest. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't legal. I, I stayed in this. There was a little patch of wood off of a, off of a, I think it was a peach farm. Okay. And I camped there for like two months and I was walking into town and sort of doing my, my job as a dish, dish, washing dishes and then walking back. And eventually one morning I woke up and, and there's a, the farmer there and he's like, you got to pack up. So I, you know, I, I had kept things very clean. I, you know, I had disrupted it. He didn't hear me for like three months. Um, you know, so he's just bumped into me and, and uh, yeah, yeah by accident because he was walking the yeah. he was walking the farm or whatever. Exactly. Huh. And then I just packed up and he actually gave me a ride. Um, and it was very nice, very very nice man. Um, and then uh, and then I, I actually bought a van, uh, sort of a camper van type uh, with a bed in the back. And you can get by with a minivan uh, for yeah. a while. Yeah. So what what happened is I, I was in the Okanagan Valley and I sort of bought this van. I stayed in the Okanagan Valley with the van i was still washing dishes and i was actually parked at the restaurant i asked the owner if i could park there and they're like yeah no problem so i was living there i was working there <laughs> and there was, there was the very nice lakes so i would walk to the beach and hang out it was a very very cool experience um you know at that age 
And, uh, and then in the fall, I, I drove the van over to, um, to Alberta and I, I went to Banff, which is essentially sort of, you have all of the ski resorts and, um, I had done a lot of skiing when I was a kid. So, um, I got myself a snowboard. I started snowboarding there and, and I stayed there into the winter. Um, and then I did a, a bit of back and forth like that for, for a year and a half. Um, and, uh, and then when I came back, I, I, you know, I, Dan and I, uh, Dan had met me uh, in British Columbia, and he traveled with me for the, for the last six months of, of that period of, of a year and a half. And when we came back, we met with, with his uncle. Um, and it was kind of a wake-up call. We were, uh, I would, at the time I was 17, it was before, just before my 18th birthday. And, um, hmm. and he was like, guys, like, you know, he, was, he owned the ATM machine. He had, uh, you know, I don't know how many ATM machines all over the region of Ottawa and, and, uh, we just visited him and, and, uh, sort of inspired yeah, me. Yeah. Cause surprisingly enough, you can make a lot of money with a bunch of ATMs. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Two, three dollars a transaction. It, it goes it's, fast. Uh, oh yeah. It yeah. goes fast. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, had, he, had, like, he uh, had a lot. Uh, yeah. He, he had in the hundreds uh, of ATM machines. So, so he sort of <laughs> inspired me to, to get started in, in the sales and sort of business thing. And then it's just something that's said over the years. And I've always been sort of like sales and marketing, um, you know, in different industries, uh, home renovations for a very long time. And, um, and my wife's been a realtor for eight years. We've been together for eight and a half years. So she started real estate not too yeah, long I after. I was there when you met yeah. her. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was a while back. And then she, she started real estate not too long after we were together. Uh, and then I started real estate six years later. Yeah, we didn't um, like her at yeah. first because she was... <laughs> he was always with her. He didn't. He didn't talk to us for like a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was in love. I was in love. What can I say? Uh, I, I really found. You know, I'm really happy. I found. Uh, you know, a oh very yeah, good she's life amazing. Partner. Oh yeah. Yeah, we we've uh, developed a lot over the years, and uh, we've worked a lot on our relationship. And now we work together, so we just do everything together, right? That's yeah. sort of this uh, a very nice relationship that uh, that works really well. Uh, it definitely takes a long time to sort of like tweak and, and figure out who does what but we have a very good system in place and sort of you know we're, we're uh we're having a lot of fun which is essentially what, what matters the most right yeah uh so when you have fun and you just do you know you're not stressed and uh things are going well well um you know you can have a nice enjoyable life and when you have life partner to do it with well then it's just so much better right mm -hmm. um i agree yeah so that's sort of been the process and you know in general to get me into into real estate she, my, my wife is is uh is the one that inspired me to join. Because you flipped a couple of homes too, right? In the last uh, in the last few years, and so you had the construction company. You were you were you were my coach when uh, we, when we did the uh, the painting business, and then you moved to the construction company. Then you you moved to dance company. In, exactly. In in selling a lot of a lot of work for he, for him, and then and then you finished. You you went to Mexico during COVID. And uh, you came back because uh, you were doing yeah. real estate in Mexico as well, but you came back to Ottawa. Yeah, so the transition was sort of like I, you know, I got into sales. Uh, my first sales job, actually, I was selling uh, produce. So I got this first sales job right after I started MLM. MLM didn't really make money at first, the multi-level marketing. But you built a, a big team, no? Like, uh, but it took a while, right? So right. at first, at first, I would, I would, uh, I got this sales job. And uh, the company, what they offered is they offered very high quality meat um, that would get delivered oh, yeah, to your I home about that. twice a year. Uh, so if you didn't have the freezer, I would have to sell you the freezer. And, um, and then they also <laughs> delivered all the produce that was sort of canned, right? And, uh, or dried that you keep for a very long time. So 
they would do like uh, two or three deliveries a year. It was uh, um, 3,000 for a year. Like it was kind of still. Yeah, depending on the size of the family, it could yeah. be, uh, you know, it could be uh, pretty significant. So that was actually my first sales job. That was very, very good sales training because every day we had a meeting in the morning. Uh, they would sort of pump us up and they would talk about sort of like, because the whole sale would take about three hours. Uh, Holy what, shit, what, that's so so what you were doing, they, they had sort of a call center. Um, and you were doing that over the phone. No. So essentially they, they had a call center. The company had a call center and they would call people. And what they, I don't know what their script was, but they would tell people like, you're going to save money on your ketchup. Like, you know, your, you know, your $5 ketchup bottle is going to be like $3. And they would give sort of a, a bunch of examples of a bunch of products that people could save on. And, you know, if you want, we'll send one of our guys over and they can just show you, give you an example of how much it would cost for right. you. Uh, very quick, simple thing. But really, when you went there, you were basically doing your presentation, explaining why uh, it was costing less, right, and the process. And then you were saying, okay, let's put an order together, right, just to give you an idea. Let's calculate what you would eat, right? And then you would sort of go through this whole order sheet and sort of like, and when they started that process, They're that took like an hour to an hour and a half to oh put that together. But like it's, a, like it was like a funnel. It was like a yeah. funnel, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, they're so involved in yes. the process that... Uh, yeah, and then at the end, you had the number, <laughs> and then they could put a deposit on it right now and secure it. And, you know, if they didn't have the freezer, you had to sell them a freezer. So that's how I learned how to, how to, how to sell. Mm -hmm. And um, um, and then I, 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 I did that, and I did uh, multi-level marketing. And then eventually we started, uh, at, well, still very young. It was just a year and a half later, um, I started in the student painting business. <laughs> and uh, you know, I started as a franchisee. Before that was we go in there, I need to pee again. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. Yeah, we're we're talking about the painting. How we how you got involved in the in the scholars uh, the student painting business. Yeah, the student painting business was like a business school, right? Because they they would just basically teach you all the basics of like you know branding, lead generation. They would yeah. give you a little territory of it within the city. So I had a little territory in the, in the city of Ottawa, and um, that's where I was allowed to market. And same, same for you when we did this. Yeah. And, and then you, you. you'd hire people to knock on doors, get some potential, uh, you know, homeowners that would want um, yeah. some painting done and and, um, and then sell them the painting job. And, and, we, and you, would, you would go, you would go sit down, sit down with them and then they evaluate the job and then... Yeah. And yeah. try to and then when summer came around, you would hire some painters, some university painters, some students that needed uh, uh, sort of student jobs and and yeah. uh, get them to do the work. It was a very good business school, uh, very very. It good was business it school. was cool for students too. It was yeah. cool for students too. We we, we were paying seventeen, eight, seven, uh, fifteen, seventeen, twenty bucks an hour. Yeah, for for kids, you know, I, there was good jobs. Yeah. Like if they were, if for one of my painter made uh, well, he made. Um, he was he he was very good, but it, we fucked up the, the the how to pay him. So we paid him like way too much in uh, in advance or whatever because we were paying we were paying them as um, at the job, right? So they yeah, had yeah, yeah. this this amount of hour budgeted budgeted in the in the work. But then so let's say let's say we we like to paint a room like this. We would like okay, we can it's like calculate work, essentially, right? Exactly. exactly. So yeah. we were okay. So it takes two hours to paint to paint everything here. If he does it in one. Well, then he's still paid for two hours, right? So, like, yeah. it doesn't matter how much, you know, how much time it took. It just mattered that the job was done. Yeah. 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 It was very interesting learning all these things. And we were young at the time, right? Uh, around 20 years old. And, and um, yeah, it was sort of a foundation for, for everything I did afterwards, the student painting. Um, 
uh, I transitioned to home renovations because it just still in the renovation industry, so it's very. I was an easy. Uh, yeah, we have a lot of friends that skills. transferred exactly uh, to home renovation. Yeah, yeah. I remember you mentioned that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With yeah, like Dan and we were talking about earlier, and yeah, it makes sense that I sell homes. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, so selling uh, homes was like sort of this thing. I, I did home renovation, uh, you know, worked on my own, and then I worked with uh, Dan in Northco as the marketing and sales director for a couple of years, and um, and then moving into real estate with my wife, that was a realtor, was just this uh, this transition that made sense. Yeah, I because you flipped a few homes in the in the meantime. That's how we started, yeah. right? So Dale and I flipped a, a couple of properties. Um, and uh, while I was still working in the renovation business, and um, and then after that, it would just it just made sense for me to sort of focus on on selling houses. You know, uh, you know, you sell a renovation project or you sell a house. You know, you'll you'll make more money selling houses. So uh, it was sort of a natural progression, but you know, still in the same industry, which is very uh, very interesting. And uh, that's sort of a general idea. But you know, going back to to, to my childhood, I think you know. I was brought up in a way, that, and I think that's what pushed me towards becoming an entrepreneur, and probably the same for you as well. When you're in the wild, you can really be free, you know. Uh, you can pretty much do anything, right? You just have fun. Yeah. Um, and when you, you move into, like, society and, you know, the way we do things in, in the current world, uh, it's very structured, and uh, being an employee is very difficult on someone like us, probably, who, who were just used to being so free, mm-hmm. right? Uh, if you live off, if you can, if I don't know why I do, I do this, I'm if I, I won't. Yeah, yeah. You exactly. have to. Yeah. Please explain why. Um, then, if it makes sense, sure, we'll do it. Yeah. But but if I can't see why, then then no. Exactly. Yeah. And also freedom, right? The f- freedom of, of building your own business, doing things your own way, uh, not having too much structure, like the freedom that you live in the wild. You know, when you live off the land, um, parents yeah. are totally free. Yeah. Right. You have nothing. You can just you can just do whatever whatever you want, right? There's no limits. Like yeah, you're very limited in a sense, right? Because you're just out there, um, but you have no obligations, right? So you don't have to do this or have to do that. You're not running crazy to sort of like, you know, make your place in the world. You're just living, right? It's a very peaceful type of lifestyle, hmm. um, and I think that building your own business can bring you sort of that, that, that same amount of sort of peace and freedom um, if you do it properly. And if you, if you sort of like, uh, yeah, if you establish yourself in a way that allows you to be yourself, then, then you're totally free. You just do what you like and you have fun. And I think that's the, the nature of living. At the end of the day, we're only here for so long, right? Uh, so being free is so important. Uh, and I think being free mm-hmm. in a sense that you, you do what you like to do, uh, you surround yourself with people that you like. And uh, yeah. You know, you don't have to do things that you don't want to do. I think that's a big driver for me, yep. probably for you as well, right? Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, just, yeah. you know, the world's your oysters and you can just do whatever you want. Yeah. You know, not whatever you want. You're still very limited. You know, the, the freedom that you live, the freedom that you live in nature, you know, I don't think it's possible in this society. That level of freedom. What do the you mean? Fe- the feeling that you get from it. Hmm. How so? Because there's nothing. There's absolutely nothing. You don't have rules or regulations. There's no rule. Well, I mean, there are yeah, rules, right? but right. there's no one there, you know. Mm. Judgment, ways to do things, you know, mm. politics, opinions, whatever it would be. Uh, religion, nothing. You know, you're out in the woods. You're just totally free from any idea of how things need to be done. You know, you're just mm. you're just out there. You can do 
things your own way. You don't have to listen to, to, to anything. You can be completely disconnected from the current world, uh, which is which is a feeling that I, I felt, uh, you know, a little bit when I was a kid. Um, I never, never felt it again. You know, it's, Do you it's miss there. that feeling? Um, you know... I, I think I'm, I'm, it's sort of one of my drivers uh, in life. Uh, I've always, you know, I'm always aiming to, to, to do more or to create more, but I think true freedom is, is what I'm aiming for, right? Yeah. Uh, it's trying to cre- recreate that yep. in my life, right? Same. Abundance and freedom, right? Uh, abundance goes along with it as Same. well, right? Abundance and freedom, I think, are two important things that if you can bring that into your life, you're going to have a very nice life. Yeah. That's the point. You want to enjoy. You want to enjoy it. You want yeah. to enjoy yeah. the the thing that you're doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Do you guys go camping or anything like that now to to reconnect, or is this something maybe just now you're now considering? Not even. No. Uh, okay. Well, in a sense. So I I have applied for that show alone. Yeah. Um, and your I, application was 13 page, no. Uh, sort something like that, you know. <laughs> I sort of Wait, started is the, writing. Is it typically that long, or you just kept writing? I just kept writing. I didn't. I didn't submit the whole thing because okay. I like because then you start going to these rabbit holes, and and yes. then you know I think that it's sort of you know you want to keep the application straightforward. But um, yeah, I had a very. I started writing things like you know it's crazy because I, I sort of suppressed that. I left my parents. I was 16, and, and I sort of turned my back on that way of living. Yeah, uh, com- I had no idea. Com- completely. You know, never talked about it never, at all. Not no, even a little bit. No, anyone in my life, no even my wife, didn't notice much, right? Uh, now we've talked a lot about it, um, but it, it's sort of this thing that I've uncovered literally just in the last, like, two months. And I think, you know, as a kid, I, I felt like I was different. I felt like I was unfair, which, you know, that's yeah, normal. You're a kid, you know, you're a teenager. So you sort of rebel yourself against it. And then I turned. It's actually, uh, it's actually something supernatural to, for especially for men, to, yeah. um, to rebel against everything their parents stands for, and then to leave, and then to come back when they're in the mid to late twenties. Is to prevent. Yeah. Uh, so we're wired that way to prevent incest. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very interesting. <laughs> that's literally how it felt. Yeah. I, you know, I, I've left that that uh, those ideas. You know, if you ask me, if we like to go camping. Dale loves to go camping on a camping ground. You know, then you have your little campsite, and absolute hate. Oh yeah, I absolutely I want to hate it because that's not camping. You know. Yeah, like do you that's do any, like, anything like deep woods or, or, I, or backcountry? I, I guess. I, I don't. Okay. I don't. Um, you know, I I did it so much when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. It's sort of part of who I am. Um, you know, I, I slept in the middle of winter in my own shelters many <laughs> time, um, and I learned. You know, the first time it didn't work out. Um, my, it was so cold in my shelter that my boots froze and I wasn't able to open them up to put them on. So I got out of my sleeping bag and I had to walk barefoot home because it was so cold in my shelter that Holy my boots shit. were frozen. I couldn't open how, them up because they were humid. How far away were you? I wasn't far. Uh, okay. I, was, I really wasn't far, but I was probably a like few, 10 years old or something like that. Like so maybe a mile or something? Like no, 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 no. I was like three, 400 meters away. Oh, okay. I, okay. Was, I was Just enough to be outside. Just in the enough dark. to be outside. But, you know, I was between 10 and, 10 and 12 <laughs> years old, right? Uh, wow. So my parents would just let me experiment. And then, you know, I, I, and then I built some legit uh, winter shelters. Um, we built our own wood stove, my brother, my brothers and I. A uh, little hmm. wood stove. We installed the chimney in there. Um, How did you install the chimney? Well, it was kind of like, you know, you just got these uh, whatever 
chimney pieces. It was a small, maybe like four inch uh, tube, right? The um, old can, no, that you were saying the other day, like the for the stove or whatever, like the, the old. So the stove itself is just like sort of this uh, barrel, right? I don't know what steel barrel, whatever. It was a small barrel, you know, you use it to like, people used to use it, whatever, and back in the days, we don't really use yeah. them anymore. It's so hard, to, expensive to produce, but, um, you know, we, we just basically punched the hole in there, made a door, and then you make a hole for the chimney. Um, our dad helped us to, to build that. Our, our dad was very, very handy, still very handy. Built and then everything. you were covering everything in mud, and then it would, it would kind of uh, solidify. No, so it was just the stove in the middle of the, of the shelter, basically with the chimney that went outside. And then okay. basically our shelter was just sort of, um, you know, we basically put a middle pole, branches all along. Uh, we put a tarp uh, so that we have, uh, you know, no water seeping through. And then you throw basically um, sort of fir trees, uh, branches on top of it, and you pile up. For insulation? Well, so what happens is that they're very spacious, you know, and the needles are like all there. So it's kind of like it covers everything. Right. But if you do a very like thick amount, when it starts snowing, um, so I don't know if you ever experimented with snow where the snow is undisturbed, it's very loose, but as soon as you disturb it, it becomes very hard, right? Compact. Compact, Yeah. essentially, right? So, and once it's hard, it doesn't go back. So you would basically shake those branches as the snow would fall on it to let everything seep into it. And then you just throw snow on it. So. Mm. You'd shovel snow on top of that thing. So if you built it, we built one in the winter. You would basically dig out your area where you want to build your shelter. Uh, we'd put our tarp on the ground. Then we'd put branches and put a tarp on top. Then put all these uh, fir branches on top of that. And, uh, and then you just throw a load of snow on there. And you hmm. build this, like, shell, basically. Yeah. Uh, very comfortable. If you have a little... That's if so you have cool. a way to, to have fire in your shelter, um, you know, it's, it can be very comfortable. Um, you know, so cool. it's very cool. Yeah. So that was sort of my <laughs> childhood, right? Doing experimenting <laughs> with things like that, going fishing, like, you know, uh, out in the wild, you know, yeah. on my own, I would just, you know, my favorite thing as a kid, when I was like 14, 15 years old, I would just, I had my gun, I had my sort of backpack pouch, um, and I had the canoe or walking and I would just explore, you know, leave for like, wow. sometimes I would leave for six, eight hours at a time. I'd leave in the morning, come back at night. Did you ever um, go for a couple of days, like out on your own? Yeah, yeah, I went for a couple of days. Uh, never so long, uh, never super long. Um, but, uh, yeah, we had these shelters, right? So we'd basically leave and then just sleep in the shelter. Um, and you would, you would leave up. What's that? So you were building the shelter. Yeah, you'd you leave would, it up. Yeah, leave it up. yeah eventually, okay. like, it fell apart, right? You know, right. you usually wouldn't use it for more than one season. Uh, so many winters in a row, we had our winter shelters that we'd build in different areas of the forest, right? Mm. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was always, we were always building stuff, like doing, <laughs> doing stuff, right? Such a fun <laughs> childhood. Super fun, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah tree, you know. Out in the wild and all yeah. the elements. And yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, cool. It was huh. very different, yeah, yeah. And then you suppressed everything. And then I suppressed everything. I so suppress you, absolutely everything. You applied yeah. for this. Uh, for, well, obviously, you guys recently watched the show, and then you applied. Yeah. How long until you hear? You know what? Do you know? I have no idea. Okay. Um, and I really hope that, you know, I really hope that I make it. Um, you know, I, I hope that I get to speak to someone. And uh, if I have a shot to speak to someone, I think that my story can be interesting enough that, uh, you know, they yeah. would consider me. But we'll it send, is still. We'll send them the tape. 
Yeah, it's still a very competitive. Uh, <laughs> it's still a very competitive um, show to get on. I think yeah. that you know they have tens yeah, of some pretty of highly trained. I mean, from the episode we watched, their backgrounds were yeah, pretty there's some, significant. There's some people that are legit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But there's some people that maybe not, maybe not that much, and then no, no. I think like his background, he could easily, yeah. uh, easily be you see, do very I, well. You know, I, I think that, I think that if I got in the show, I would 100% win. Um, I'm 100% confident in it, <laughs> and. <laughs> I'd, I'd be willing to bet on it. Um, See, now this I want to watch. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. A lot of people that go on these survival, um, survivalist show, mm. they, they've gone to a lot of survivalist training weekends. Uh, some of them, mm. you know, started doing survival stuff, you know, in their 20s and their 30s as adults. Uh, they, they developed yeah, an interest. Yeah, grew up. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of people developed an interest over time. They develop an interest in that field and then they're, they're passionate about it. And then they try stuff and they experiment with stuff. Um, you, you know, but don't, don't tell me that most of these people have started thousands and thousands and thousands of fires, you know, out yeah. in the wild. Like it's like, you know, as a kid, I remember I was 13 or 14 years old. I was trapping um, beaver. Um, and I was on one of these beaver dams, and I went through the ice. Yeah, because you would, you would have no problem getting yeah. food and building a shelter. A so absolutely. theoretically, you could, yeah. you could stay out for forever, as long as it takes. As long as it takes. And, and, and I, so I went through the ice. Uh, I w I d there wasn't a lot of water, but I was completely soaking. It was frozen. And, you know, it's one of those things, like, I started fire in, like, in, in an instant uh, because I had done it so much, and this is where practice comes in, right? So it's second nature to me, and that's why I think I would win. Um, I, I understand principles of doing certain things, and I've practiced them over and over right. again. Maybe it was for fun. Maybe I wasn't in a but survival But now you understand how to prioritize um, what you need to do yeah. in order to, to set you up and, and kind of survive. Like what, what, what you, you, said, you said the other day when you told us you were, funny, you were frustrated. <laughs> I, I, you know what? It's one of those things that, you know, in, in the wild, there's a lot of things that, that you can do uh, that will actually produce results. But you can't, you know, there's a lot of things that you can do that's very stupid, you know? Like what? Um, like being too crafty or too creative. At the end of the day, you know, you're, you're, you're in the wild. You have to, to, to maintain things really simple, um, you know, back to basics right. and sort of like learn the, the, the basic things that will, that will uh, allow you to survive. A lot of people, you know, think that in a survival state, you know, in the wild, like a lot of the people on that show alone, they go and they spend so much energy on building crazy shelters, you know, um, and and then they, they they tap out because they or in they the didn't where to build right? the shelters. Ex exactly. Is they that the, that's the first thing you do is build shelters? No, right no, I would no. go on. No. Well, so before before we go before we go there, there let's let's because uh, it was super interesting the way. You were saying um, uh, you were saying how you would survive on the show the other day because so I, I, I would value they're allowed like a certain amount of item that you can bring with you no right guns. No, no guns, guns. No, no you're guns. allowed like a bow and arrow a knife a sleeping bag is an item so you got to be very careful into what you choose right yeah um, so you have ten you have ten items like if you want f uh, you know a gill net to fish if you want string uh, to to do some stuff tie things together it's it's an item uh, a tarp is an item so it's like one of those it's very strict and you you and know ten you is not that much it's not ten, uh, ten is not that much and you're allowed to choose up to two items that are food related so you know a pound of rice or whatever it is I don't know what the, what the, the amounts is but would you choose any food I I don't think I would choose any food. Um, I would choose like the tools right and I don't know exactly what I'd choose it depends where you're going. Um, the tools to, to get the food. Tools to get the food, yeah. but but 
and this is where I think that my strength uh, and my knowledge comes in on that show. Uh, it's second nature to me. I've, I haven't done it in 16 years, but I understand the principles of food production and the quantity. But I'm sure of you food. would prep if you if you would go on the show. I, you I would, would definitely. Prep, right? you I would, would definitely practice to, with your dad a couple of weeks and. Oh, I, I would like a training camp. Or definitely, I, I would definitely practice. Uh, you know, just for things to come back. Um, but I would definitely focus on food production. You know, food pro producing food and transforming food in the wild, right, uh, is number one priority. And if you, if you're stuck like that somewhere, or if you're dropped off in that show, I think that you know you have to produce large quantities of food and a, a variety of food as well, right? If you want to eat well, nutrients. right, uh, to have different types of yeah nutrients and so what kind and, of food uh, would you have? Would you want to have? It, it depends where you're at for sure. You know, fish and meat uh, is definitely a big thing. Um, but you have to, if you're, if you're able to, you know, pick some mushrooms, berries and things like that as well, uh, would be a, a big uh, thing on that show. Um, but I definitely think that, you know, that should be the focus of anyone in a survival state, establish your, your food supply. Cause you can and sleep outside for a few days. You can sleep outside for a few weeks. Right. Um, you know, and, and the thing is once mm. you've figured out how to bring in food, then you're eating and you're sort of like getting that energy or those calories to start working on something. Uh, like a shelter or, or whatever you want to build, right? But if right, you start spending calories, like building you know, the shelter and the whole oh, thing, uh, then you then you, you you get with the 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 this guy in the first episode. He's like he he spent a few days without even eating anything. I know he's super. Yeah, I, I like to eat. I like to eat a lot. You know, <laughs> I like my food, and I I think that if I was on a show like alone, there's not a day I wouldn't eat. I think I would eat large quantities of food. I'd I'd be willing to bet that it'd come back like you know without losing a lot of weight. Um, very confident in that. I think it's it's definitely like, you know, there's a lot of things that it's not just, you know, being able to hunt or fish. Um, it's all the small things, right? Being able to properly, you know, prepare your food or, or, or uh, preserve your food, yeah. right? Um, because... How would you preserve the food um, uh, outside? Is there, is, there, is there a tool that you would get that would... That would get that. That would be well. I think it's a, you know you have to preserve and you have to sort of protect it, right? So I think definitely like a food shelter would probably come before my shelter. Um, if I was on the show alone, I would definitely figure out a place and a way to uh, protect my food from from all the predators out there because there are bears, there's you know raccoons, right. there's uh, there's uh, foxes, there's all sorts of animals that will you know little scavenger animals that will try to steal your stuff. Hmm. Um, so so. Definitely, that's one thing, and then uh, yeah, preserving it. You, you know, you can dry, you can um, you can dry, you can smoke, uh, depending on the type of food that you have, and you'd have to. And again, on the show, like alone, you're only going for like three months, or you know, at, at the most, right? Like, so ah, it's yeah, three months. Well, it's it's three months, <laughs> but you don't you don't need to preserve food for for two years. And I think on that show, they put you somewhere where it. It turns to freezing temperatures pretty quick into the show. I think like after like a month or a month and a half, uh, it goes below freezing. So then you just as soon as it goes yeah, below that, freezing, you don't want to spend six months and then you can just kind of be in outside and survive. Yeah, because so of the no, weather, you want to make it a bit harder. Exactly. exactly. So you'll see if you watch a whole season. Usually after like uh, four to six weeks, it turns into freezing cold temperatures. Um, Is it only three? You said about three months. Is that because people can only 
have only lasted that long? That's because people have only lasted as long. I think there was one season where uh, it was a 100-day challenge, season 7 or something like that. Uh, now they're in like 11 or 12 seasons, I think. Um, huh. They've uh, been doing that for a while. They've been doing that for a while. And this is the crazy part is they've been doing that for a while, and mm-hmm. I only discovered that a month ago because I was so disconnected from Well, I never, I never, that, never that knew that, was, that existed either. Yeah, my wife turned it on on Netflix, and then I, I like I was like I was doing work, so I was just going upstairs, glass of grab a glass of water or whatever, and then you know she she was like halfway through the first episode, so you know you just stand there and you watch, and then I was like, and I sit, you know, and then I finished the episode, and I was like, oh, let's see the second one, right? And then it's just like, and then it was like, holy shit, it all came back, like in, <laughs> in a snap of a finger, it all came back to me, like like crazy stuff, yeah, and I had never really gone back on that because. Mostly because I had never talked about it. Yeah. Right? No shit. So when you're like, you know, <laughs> no, I had never. Just yeah. suppress it, lock it. Yeah. Now you're moving. Exactly. On to what you're and then you're yeah. moving into other things in life and, and you're sort of like not. It, but then when you start diving back into it, you realize that whoever you were, you know, when you were a kid, it's it's part of who you are. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of lessons. There's a lot of, you know, uh, values. There's a yeah. lot of stuff that when you dive back into your childhood, you can go and unlock some stuff, right? Figure out like parts of who you are that make you who you are today, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and when you can put your finger on that and sort of point that out, then sometimes you can sort of like, you know, figure out ways to, to change your life and, and improve um, it for, for things that are more in line with who you are, you know, at your core, right? I don't think I'm ever going to go back to to surviving in the woods as, as sort of like uh, a thing. I, you know, I, I still don't have an interest for it. I do have an interest on competing on alone mm-hmm. um, because there's money involved, Right. Uh, you have you win half a million dollars if you win. So to me, oh, okay. it just so makes it's sense. You know, it, it's substantial, and it's U.S. Can and do that for three, you know, US for three months. So, is five hundred k in three months? It's a good. It's not, not bad. I, I ran the numbers, <laughs> you know, and 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 it. Not just that. I think you do get a lot of exposure. You get a lot of you know, yeah. uh, you know, follow up things that you can do with that. Uh, you know, and you can ride that. I think that, you know, if I could go on a sh- get on a show like that, I definitely want to ride the wave of wherever that could take me. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a lot that that can come out of that, and if it's just for the experience and to dive back into sort of like things that I've done over and over and over again as a child, um, you know, just that alone would be a lot of fun and, and probably a very nice adventure, hmm. right? Wow, yeah. that's insane, dude. We've been talking for like three hours. Oh wow, yeah, yeah. crazy. It goes so fast, right? <laughs> and there's so many places where we didn't go, right? Uh, it's like, yeah. We've been talking for three hours plus the hour. No, no, in two the car. hours. Two hours? Oh well, and the car ride, yeah. The car, yeah. Right too, yeah. And the car ride too. Yeah. And then we have all you the whole so car ride back. You said so many things. Yeah. <laughs> so many things that we didn't go into. Is there anything else that? Um. Well, well I think that there there were a lot of like, I think there were a lot of like small adventures, mm-hmm. sort of stories from over the years, right? Yeah. Uh, things that I did like, even as a child, like you know, I, I did like a lot of like adventures in the woods, you know, I, I found, uh, I would walk entire days and I would find weed crops. Um, and that was like when I was like 15, I was sort of rebelling. Uh, right. So I, I would like go around and like sneak into like, you know, and, and these were in the wild, like you're talking about uh, on the crown land. No, it's a no, nobody land basically like <laughs> what is no crown, man's land. Crown? crown land is land that's owned by the government. Uh, you're allowed oh, this to, is what you're mentioning yeah, now, you're allowed okay. to cut wood on it for with, with permits with and whatnot, permits. or you're allowed okay. for like uh, natural resources essentially. Um, 
so there were a in the area because logging was a very big business in the area um there were a lot of like side roads that were used for the logging industry and then they would basically sort of shave down an entire mountain not necessarily shave it down but they would cut a lot of wood all, all whatever they could take from these massive areas mm-hmm. um but all the roads would remain after they would be done with that area so sometimes they would be logging for years and then once that was done then you know trappers hunters uh people would go fish because sometimes you had these roads that would go for like you know people are going to use it now yeah. yeah exactly like you had these lakes that were not accessible before these roads came and then people would start fishing those lakes it's, it was very it's very interesting like when you, you when you when you explore crown land there's a lot of stuff happening um but also a lot of bad stuff not not anymore now that cannabis is legalized in canada there's no more room in the industry for for that but back when i was a kid it was all illegal so everything that was cannabis was grown in those areas mm. so we had these helicopters flying around um every fall because that's when the buds happening on the cannabis and they have right. these like heat uh, sensors yeah. uh, camera so they can see because it's the only plant in the wild that is actually like when the plant uh, so not pr- looking for people but no so when the plant produces uh buds which are the yeah. flowers the plant produces heat and cannabis uh the buds come in the fall and all the other plants in the wild most of the other plants in the wild um the buds or the, the you know the Comes flowers in the come in the spring so and and also it wouldn't be as concentrated you still have plants that bud in the fall but uh not in large concentration so they would fly over with mili- military helicopters and they had these um cameras and they could basically uh find areas where Infrared? yeah exa- i don't know exactly how how it works okay. but uh um, and if it was concentrated together, they could catch it. It was if it was spread out, um, they had a hard time uh, uh, catching it. But they were massive busts. Like when I was a kid, it was like in you know around the area. Yeah, we're talking like millions and millions of dollars worth of of cannabis oh, plants. Oh yeah, huh. yeah. It, it was actually. I remember one year we had this massive bust, and they actually see. No, they didn't seize, but the the municipality closed. There was a wooden mill. And they had to close the windmill to get rid of truckloads and truckloads and truckloads. Like big, they would basically got these massive oh. trucks, and it was all weed plants. And they they would bust and sort of like, you know, destroy. The, no way. Because it was so much, right? And it's not like you're you're, like the cops were not like seizing, you know, dry mm-hmm. product that was being sold. They were seizing the plant, so they had to to get rid of it. The entire village would smell. It, it was. <laughs> Everyone was high yeah. for two. <laughs> <laughs> not necessarily but you had that smell in the air it was crazy it was like the, the the area was very very rough so yeah we grew up like exploring you know huh. so that, w- that was like we were exploring everything you know we were just going out in the wild and sort of like you know going out on on lakes to fish and up rivers and you know you had all these things that you could sort of do it, it was just endless right there was no limit to where you could go so you could just go forever um hmm. You discover all these little lakes that you know nobody's been on, or not a lot of people have stepped around. Yeah, and uh, wildlife is different as well, right? So it's it's a lot more wild, if you will, because um, there's not it's not being as disrupted, right? Um, so it's, What's yeah. your favorite memory of when you were when you were back then? Do you know? Um, there's a lot of good ones. Yeah, there was a lot of good ones. Like all of these. Um, adventures were a lot of fun and we were three brothers yeah. so we had a lot of fun you know <laughs> we were just you know 
and we would climb like climbing trees. We would build tree houses like in the woods. We would, you know, we would just we would just create little dams on on the little streams, and then get to be boys know, in the wild. Get to be boys in the wild. It was uh, it was this crazy thing. So again, it had like there was a lot of different sides to it. I had I would go to school, uh, sort of into modern society and learn, you know, learn how to behave and learn how to work in society. Uh, and then we'd go back home and there were all the endless chores because producing all your own food and sort of like, uh, it's basically a homestead. You produce all your own food, all your own produce, all your own stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And that, it's a lot of work. It's you constant like, work. Did you learn like a lot of discipline, you think, from growing up that way? Oh, definitely. I, I yeah. gained my work ethic, right? I'm a hard worker. I'm always the hardest worker in the room. And I definitely gained my work ethic from being raised that way. There was all, uh, endless, like the to-do list never ended. So, you know, schoolwork, right? And then it was like chores, especially in the summer. And the summers were like, you know, food production months, um, gardens, and, uh, you know, lots of work all summer long uh, because, you know, you have to cut your own wood. You have to chop the wood. I chopped so much wood. As a matter of fact, it, it was my first, uh, my first job our business is there were people that live or had cottages up the road. So I painted a little sign and I would sell a cord of wood is four foot um, tall, eight foot long. Uh, and I would sell that $80 a cord. So I would cut my own wood and I would chop it and I would dry it. And, uh, you know, my first summer, it's I don't know. I'd, it's a lot of work. <laughs> and I was basically like this, you know, 14, 15 year old kid, you know, cutting wood and splitting wood and then I, I put a sign How by the road and I didn't deliver it people would stop I, I told them you gotta stop and pick it up okay. yeah because you know, I'm just, <laughs> just a, a kid, kid here <laughs> <laughs> and I was selling it for cheap uh, so there are companies in the area you know a lot of people heat you know their cottages with wood in the area so there, there are local companies that would like you know they have machines and they have a business and they they, uh, they actually split wood from a you know they have this business they sell a lot of wood but uh, I was only a small production, right? So I, I couldn't uh, afford the, anything else to, yeah, very you good. know. Yeah, <laughs> if you want it, you pick it up. And, uh, you know, I only got a couple of clients. I didn't need more than that. But uh, there was a sign by the side of the road. And I got a couple of people from, from uh, Ottawa, actually, that had cottages up there. And they were going up. And, and then I had this relationship over the years as well with some, some of my return <laughs> customers. Uh, with my with my wood wood business, I didn't make a lot of money from it, but you know, I I, I started learning, doing things. Like yeah. The skills, yeah. Oh, yeah. How how many cords of wood were you doing? Like I think my first year, I was probably like, oh man, I don't know, I was 13, 14 years old, and I probably did like ten cords of wood. Um, so it wasn't like a huge amount. But you were still making like eight hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah eight hundred bucks on the side, splitting wood. You know, yeah. um, you don't need to buy anything because you can make everything. It's not bad. Exactly, dollars gonna go a long oh, way. True. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Especially as a kid, you know. I, yeah. I mean, eight hundred dollars. Uh, you know, at that age, you're going to high school and you're sort of like big lemonade you know, stand. Yeah. <laughs> so different kind. So yeah, and buy a lot of candies. Yes, <laughs> a lot of candies. <laughs> yeah, you're balling in high school with eight hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From as long as I can remember, I was always doing something. Um, nice. I remember the year after I, I split wood for the first time. Um, there was this guy. There was this. Um, they call it the Black River Motel or whatever. But it's basically this camp up, yeah. very, very far up in the woods, and they take people bear hunting. Uh, they take people up the river uh, so that they can canoe down the river. So they rent the canoes huh. and stuff. 
And uh, it was like this little hotel. It's been there for a long time. And there's a lot of American tourists that, that would go there for bear hunting. Uh, mm. It was a big the experience. thing. Yeah, for the experience. Nice. And uh, I remember after he saw my sign and he stopped by, he said, I'm not going to buy your wood, but I have a hell of a lot of wood to split. So I started splitting wood for him. And that was a lot of wood. <laughs> uh, I probably spent, like, there was one time I was working for five bucks an hour in cash, um, and uh, I was just splitting and, and piling, like, probably, like, 50 cords of wood in the summer. But it was a good job, you know? It was a good job at that age. I was, like, you know, nice. making money in my summer. I wasn't working all the time. Yeah. I did, like, you know, one or two days a week here and there because there was a, still a lot of work, um, you know, in, in uh, the property of my parents that I need to do. So uh, that's definitely where I developed my work ethic. It's, like, I started learning, you know, having to work from a very young age, you know. Mm -hmm. We had to pull the weeds in the garden. We had to, you know, I have pictures of me and my brothers were were picking tomatoes and we have, like, those wheelbarrows full of tomatoes. Well, no, because if you have an acre... An acre of uh, garden. Yeah, that's that's, a, a, that's a fucking oh, huge yeah, garden. Yeah. There's a lot of work into that. If and you, everything you can think about needs to be done, If you do everything done, by right? hands, oh, holy shit. It's a lot. It's a lot. You know, we do all of our own compost. Um... We had the animals. You got to keep it clean. You got to build fences. You got to, you know, you got to keep the land clear because everything grows all the time, right? Um, split your wood. You know, carry buckets of water. That was a big one. Uh, hunt. You know, all the stuff that comes mm. with it is is massive. Um, it's a lot of work, and that's why a lot of people, you know, there's not a lot of people living that like that, right? Yeah, it's no, very it's soup is very hard. It's very hard. Yeah. Do you guys have kids? No, no not kids. Yet. Not okay. yet. No. Do you want kids? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do you think... Um, when did you start to want kids? Uh, y you oh. know, I think I've always wanted kids. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always wanted kids. I think it comes at the right time in life, right? Um, so, so, but yeah, definitely, like, definitely going to have kids one day. I don't know when, you know, we'll see. But uh, it's definitely something that... Uh, What were you going to say, baby? Yeah, uh, the reason I ask is because of the background that you had growing up. And uh, I know you, you're talking about coming down to Miami for at least maybe half of your year, like in a few years. Do you see yourself having like a ranch or something where your kids are learning these skills or would you put them you know what? through that kind of experience or no? Um, or it's, it's, a, it's a hard, it's a good question. I, I don't think so. Um, I, I definitely think I want a cottage, right, mm -hmm. uh, out in the wilds, but that's... That's not necessarily that, that experience. Yeah. The only way you can really live that experience is to be 100% in it, mm. uh, which mm. is a very crazy thing because you can go out there and sort of experiment with it and, uh, you know, semi-live off the land, but, you know, have gardens and things like that. But unless you, when you start doing that, it's a full-time job. So yeah. The only way, like... Well, even if, more than the full, it's yeah, a life. You know, it's a way of life. Absolutely. Like, even yeah. having a backyard yeah. garden, which, you know, I literally at home just took out my garden boxes because... When the pandemic started, I was like, oh, I'm going to have a couple garden boxes. That's, you know, I haven't done gardening since I was a kid, and I'm very good at it. And I grow these crazy gardens in my backyard for the last couple of years. I remember when we gave, you gave me uh, tomato plants when uh, when I <laughs> built my, ho my house oh, yeah, right. in Chelsea. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I gave <laughs> you gave me plants. like yeah. 15 tomato plants <laughs> that I put on my <laughs> deck outside. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's sort of a thing. But then even just having backyard garden. It's like if you don't take care of it, it's not going to produce, right? So yeah. it's like everyday work. You, you have to kind of do something every day um, if you want to have a part of that lifestyle, whether it's gardening or another part of it. 
Uh, so I don't think you can really live both lives at the no, same no. time. But maybe there's some things that you want to instill, like in your kids, because I, I know you said you suppressed a lot of of what you grew <laughs> up. But it, yeah. at the same time, it sounds like a lot of those experiences um, affected like your business and things like that that you do nowadays, uh, or that you pulled absolutely. into. Absolutely, I, I think that um, maybe I would give, you know want to give my kids or myself or you know other people. I mean um, that experiences or any other experiences, right? Mm-hmm. I think that experimenting li- things in life, right? Fair living experiences it's like for you you know coming down to florida and moving your entire life over there it's an experience it's like you're experimenting life you're just letting loose and doing things and i, I believe in that uh, and that's really sort <laughs> yeah. of like the that's what the, you want to pass that's what pass i want to pass on yeah, yeah i want to make sure that you know one. me or my family i you know i have a very adventurous lifestyle i love to do stuff i love you know i have great ideas and then we're not necessarily great ideas i just have ideas and then i do things so I like to be, I don't have, like to have limits. The freedom to, to try. And, I, I, and, to try, yeah. exactly, and do things. So that's why uh, Dale and I, we went to live in Mexico for for um, for almost a year. And uh, we just wanted to experiment things. And we were so happy. That was a, such a great experience, um, living in Mexico or, or in a different country. And you're doing the same, right? So uh, it's it's quite the process. And, and there, you learn new cultures and new ways of doing things. And, and it's wild. I figured out uh, I was an immigrant, like, super late. <laughs> Eight months in, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I never, I never thought about it. it. It's when you really think about it, it's true. Yeah, yeah. You're like the, you know, yeah. yeah. But Sorry. I think if you do great things and you bring a lot of value to, to yeah, America, it and, is, you know, yeah, it's, it's super, it's super nice to be here. It's um, it's uh, yeah, it's it's a uh, so different, so different. Uh, no, this is November eleventh. Today and it's 35 degrees outside Celsius, Beautiful. which is sub, you know dead summer. And in Montreal, it's snowing and yeah, and uh, it's so so different. And I'm so grateful to be able to to be here. It's ama- it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Simon, I was. We need to leave the studio. We need to wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, we'll do we'll do round um, two at some point. That was a lot of fun. Um, it was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> it was super cool. Uh, I was so excited to to be able to do this, and yeah, super grateful that you decided to share the story. Yeah, um, so thank yeah, you. I wasn't you know I wasn't sure about it. Uh, I, I actually decided that last night. I was like, what can I talk about? And um, you know, I was sort of s- trying to sleep on it, and and no matter what, I had a feeling inside of me. I was like, I think you know the the best things I can talk about is is just sort of my story right yeah. I, I don't you know i've been i've been holding back sort of that part of me for six for 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 16 years since i left my parents and even there before that i didn't my friends in high school nobody knew about that that part of me um and i think that the more i talk about it the more i dive back into it and then the more i like sort of clue in on certain things and, and the more value it, it brings so hmm. yeah very happy nice. to share it and it was a lot of fun <laughs> that's so cool i didn't think about the the guest because we don't script anything so no. they're all thinking the day before what they're going to talk about yeah huh yeah i didn't sleep thank last you night. For <laughs> 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 well thank you for sharing it with us yeah uh where can we find you where can you find the stuff uh so you w- what's the next what's the next thing is this if, if there's something you want to promote uh, this is the time you know if you're looking to buy a house in ottawa or you're looking to sell a house in ottawa i'll be there um, I definitely think at some point in life, uh, you know, I, I do want to share that story. And not only that story, but a lot of lessons and things that, that I've learned over the years. 
Um, so, you know, my, my Instagram, Simon Dennis, um, and that's probably the best way to find me. Um, and How do you spell uh, that? Simon, uh, S-I-M-O-N, and Dennis, D-A-N-I-S. Um, so that's my Instagram and otherwise, you know, I'll, I'll be around. So hopefully we can do another podcast and we can go sure. a little bit deeper on some of the, of some of the stories and, and some of the, the adventures. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. this is, this is the, this is one of the things that I, that I'm so excited about, um, with, with my friends is, is I'm going to be here and every time, every time someone is, um, is in town, please let me know. We can hang out, we can talk. Yeah. Um, just say, hopefully, hopefully this is. It's gonna be a thing, um, you know, that I, that we can that we can t- continue doing. Hopefully, we can have Dan here. It would be amazing to do one with yeah. you two. Um, it was so cool at dinner with Kyle and Simon and, and Dan uh, the other day in, in Ottawa. It was, <laughs> it was yeah. amazing. Well, it's nice to have some very we can have some very deep conversation, and we all yeah. have like for our age, you know, at th- thirty-two, you're thirty or 31, 31, 31 yeah. you know. I think we have a lot of uh, history and uh, well, lots yeah, of experiences. We've been friends for 11 years and yeah. it's one third of our life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we've all lived a lot of different experiences, <laughs> yeah. you know, for, for, uh, for our age. And we've, we've you know, traveled and, and been around and tried a lot of different stuff and careers. So, uh, yeah, definitely very interesting conversations. Yeah, I was getting arrested here. <laughs> <laughs> Can you hear uh, that in the background? Okay, all right, we have to go. All right, ciao, everybody. Bye-bye.